Okay. It's recording. This yeah. is to your first inaugural episode. Thank you. Salut. All right. White wine and a coffee. White cups. wine. We are we are high class. I would imagine yeah. there's other people drinking wine. What is it? Two. You don't need to mention the time, first of all. Is 10 a.m. too early? I don't think so. Um, So welcome, everybody. This is the first podcast of Between You and I, the Bad Grammar podcast. I am welcoming the Friel brothers, Chris and Rick. Hello. um, Who I couldn't wait to talk to. I cornered them uh, at our Rockford's practice and was all excited about this podcast and, and cornered them into doing it, although it wasn't really that difficult. No, no. It no. did not take a lot, a lot of convincing. Where else are we going to go? It's a practice room. I know, right? <laughs> so and much room. if folks could see how tiny this room is, they'd say, ooh, I want to go there. That's really cozy. I want to I wanna talk, too. On <laughs> Capitol Hill, this would be $1,500. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I have this my kitchen. This is like kitchen. an apartment. Yeah, my toilet, my bed, and my kitchen is all right here in case anybody needs anything. Or as our dad would say, you have to go outside to change your mind. That's right. You will have to do that. Bravo. Bravo. Nice hatchback. Yes. So... I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time and and have been told several times, like, hey, you should do a podcast or radio or something. And so it's been brewing in my mind for a long time, and I'm a big fan of other podcasts that are similar in, in terms of being conversation pieces or just kind of, you know, good conversations like The Nerdist or Mark Maron or, and other things like that. So um, There's lots of good podcasts out there. Yeah. Uh, the TV water cooler podcast and there's, uh, there's lots of good TV ones and movie ones Awards Daily has a movie one and then Chris and I are big Kiss fans there's lots of Kiss podcasts and then but don't get started on that alright yeah, not yet yeah, not yet we're just at the start <laughs> she will not let us I'm just saying that I, I really <laughs> I've really gotten into listening to podcasts I drive for a living so it's kind of fun to have yeah. those on and uh, Eddie Trunk does a music one, and there's just so many. And Chris just found a new sports one that he likes. Yeah, I, I, for me, like the the Marin one. I mean, I, I actually feel kind of bummed that it took this long to find it, mm-hmm. because sometimes you know I'll just be having kind of a shit day, and I will mm-hmm. listen to his interviews with these people that are maybe not people that I'm fans of, and they just it can be totally inspiring and enlightening. Right. It's the way that these people talk about creativity and just their journeys and. You know, even just the most mundane things of growing up and their relationship with parents and yeah, and stuff like that. It's really great, and I think there's a real art to the way of doing it. Not to put too much pressure on you. No, no, I'm going to speak correctly the whole time. <laughs> um, but that is a, that's the same reason no, I got excited because yeah. it's the conversation, yeah. it's the communing, which has been you know a big word for me this year, um, and it's natural. So, and I've listened to some of those too, and you come off going, oh, I really needed to hear that conversation, or oh, somebody else feels the same way, especially around creativity. Um, oh, they were afraid as well. Um, things that you say in your head, but you don't often like go into a group and say, is anybody else scared here too, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just nice to hear, and you're right, there's plenty of it yeah, out like, there. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Lena Dunham, uh, the oh, yeah. girls writer, and uh, her interview was just so great. And same with, uh, I can't think of her name, the woman that wrote Juno. Um, you know, these people that I wasn't really familiar with. Right, they're just, right. They're great people, like when you listen to them talk about their life and their, you know, the way they feel about creating and things like that. It makes you kind of realize we're all sort of doing the same thing, yeah. you know. Well, I've gotten really into the Nerdist. There's, I was saying to, I'd also like to introduce, as I interrupt here, Ryan Lane is my awesome partner in the podcast. And he is Quiet. silently sitting next. Yeah. You are the silent partner. You are the silent foil. Not right now. Go on now. <laughs> Once we get rolling on a few of these, I just have a feeling Ryan out of nowhere is going to say something and be like, what? <laughs> Could I'm hoping for that. Yeah. Um, 
But I was saying to him that I've really gotten into listening to comedians, not necessarily their acts, but like the Nerdist is um, actors and comedians and things like that. And so that's who they're, for a large part, having conversations with. And there's something really um, interesting about another art form like that, what it takes to do that art form, but also the things that they go through. You know, they talk about, I know... um, Jerry Seinfeld had one too, where you're literally in, to learn your craft. You're going up to to win or die. Like mm-hmm. that's your practicing. Mm-hmm. It's like George, you know, to get up on stage and you're either like winning or you're dying, and that's how you learn. And I'm like, that is rough. Well, comedy is. I mean, <coughs> Rick and I, are, you know, grew up, in a, grew up in a house where the records we listened to were comedy records. Yeah. Did Don, you Don Rickles and Bill Cosby oh, and all Carlin and yeah. what was the guy the the two guys together Cousin and Laundry. Oh man, we would play that so much and. But for me, comedy is so brave because if you, it's just you and you're so dependent on uh, the audience laughing. Whereas, like, if you're in your band, even if you're playing solo, you're sort of hidden by <laughs> volume, or especially me playing as a drummer, you know. Uh-huh. You, and you've also got, you know, whether it's a band with two to three to five to six people, you've got all those people you depend on. Because, you know, you, you may not be winning the crowd, but at least you're playing. I always, you know, I've, I've gone and seen comedy where people are just bombing. Brutal. And it's just brutal. Brutal. You know, yeah, I saw I one guy. Saw. I saw one guy one time where he started out like as a carrot top kind of guy using all these props, and nobody was laughing. And then he kind of put on like this clown wig, and he you could just see his eyes were kind of watering. And then he just lost all the props and tried to just become just a straight stand up. Like, yeah. And it just never. He never. It was horrible. Oh, and he, it was like so you could just see him kind of going. As soon as I leave this stage, I yeah. start crying. Yeah. And it was it was awful. There's yeah, a couple interviews yeah. that they've had um, folks on the Nerdist where they talk about that too. Where they're, and they're and they're just slogging it. They have they keep going like I've got my time slotted. Yeah. And they keep slugging it out through the whole routine. And I'm like, hats off to you. That just make that's amazing to me. Well, that's, that's how you learn. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, Rick could probably speak to this a little more because he's we're both friends with this guy, Craig. Craig Gass yeah. and Jason Stewart. I know two comedians. And I just think it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. night after night. <laughs> And you're gone. You have to be on the road. Yeah. 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 That's the only way you learn is by time. Okay, this is a weird segue, but I realize I haven't really introduced, for those who don't know who you are, um, the Frill Brothers are actual Seattleites, which is something... Yeah, I was born and raised here. I'm I'm one of the few natives that I know. Most natives don't stay here. You're like a leprechaun. That's what I say when you find somebody actually from Seattle. It's like, ooh, lucky me. He has it on me. I was born in Denver. Were you really? Yes. Yeah, and then we get out of here. Truth. <laughs> I think we were in Denver for about oh. three weeks, and part of it was the birth. Yeah. Interesting. I, yes. I did not know yes. that. Yes. Excellent. Well, I have played music with both of you. Um, yeah. You guys have played music since you were. What was the youngest you started? Right, well, we we nine. did probably nine. nine right, nine and years we old. Did Jingle bells. <clears throat> Well, actually, with, was Jingle Bell's first show when we did Dream Body Annie and with you? Well, there was a thing. Yeah, it depends if we're actually playing music. We would pretend we'd to. <laughs> You're playing. Like, You're being creative. We did little shows. Con- yeah, we do concerts up at the cab, our cabin. We'd lip sync. Would you really? Yeah. yeah. And I make a, I make guitar out of driftwood and wrote Gibson on it. <laughs> and we would like Chris we would had drums made out of boxes. And we would make like costumes. Like we would wear towels. Like mm-hmm. like, like those like our costumes. How old were you? Oh, that was probably we're little. seven. Yeah. Six, yeah. But already. already. Like, that's amazing. We, we kind of knew the, yeah. the excitement before we had it. Like, we is, made a stage, like, up at the cabin. We is made that from stage. your parents at all? Like, was your dad musical? I mean, obviously, he was really charismatic and I think talented. a little bit. He was, you know, he did, he did play drums. He played a drum, but 
it was more like he was involved in okay. show business. Show business. Okay. Well, but I also think it's the time that we grew up, the late 60s, 70s. There mm-hmm. was so much excitement about music, becoming, you know, music and entertainment. Yeah. You know. Well, especially around think, here. I think having love and support from your parents, though, is like a cushion so you know you can't fail. So you can get up on stage and your family will watch you lip sync to records. Right. Or we set up a little driftwood stage on the beach, and um, we wore our grandma's house coats, and we yeah, yeah. did Dreamboat Annie and Firehouse, I guess, <laughs> yes. and, and just sang it with fake guitars, and they clapped. And <laughs> so knowing that you have that support is probably yeah. how you could get up and do it. You have the gumption to do it. But the, be- like, but the beginnings of actually playing music, I mean, it all ties into this incredible thing that we have with a lot of the friends that we still play music and with. And now you have knowing Carrie. That's how it all connects. Yeah, actually, it's... Oh, well, I think everything's connected, but yeah, yeah fin- I'm sorry. Is that, um, the first thing was, you know, I, I started playing snare drum, Rick started playing trombone, mm-hmm. only because they said, if you play trombone for all, we'll get you a guitar. Yeah, <laughs> like that. My mom said, learn a classical instrument. Oh. And yeah. nobody cool played a classical instrument, so I just looked at the Tijuana Brass album, like, okay, I'll play you something. <laughs> I love that it was Tijuana Brass. So, so I think that's but, the Jingle Bells thing. But the thing was that... I, I, I basically pretended to learn the thing. I just learned it by ear. I never actually read music. Wow. And then when we did recitals, we took Madrona uh, Middle School. When we did recitals, I would wear a kiss makeup. <laughs> On stage, everybody, else, everybody else is wearing fancy clothes, and I'd wear a kiss makeup. So like, the audience feels like, I'm a rock and roller. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just doing this so I can get... So I'm the only person I've seen like Paul Stanley makeup and lips. Does somebody have a picture of that? I don't know. Oh, I want also. one so the thing bad. Was that nobody batted an eye. Nobody thought it was weird that everybody else was normal and I'm in kiss makeup. I love that though. I think that your family really like uh, instantly applauded. Like, like oh, you're being fine. creative. But I love <laughs> it. Fine. Nobody thought hey, it was weird. Hey, my family would have been like, what are you doing? And then probably just teased me to death. You know what I mean? It would have been, and so I would have shut down a lot long ago. It would have been like, yeah, okay. I'm yeah, done. I think a lot of parents go, you gotta stay in your room I think I just wanted that to be such a part of my identity. Like I'm so wanted to be a musician so badly that I wanted this. Even before I owned an instrument, right? It was like part of my identity. Like I, this is me. Yeah. And I'm still going through that today. Like I just. Oh yeah. I want everyone to know that that's what I do. You know. Because <laughs> that's what's funny is uh, when Rick met you know Danny Newcomb and Mike McCready and Rob Weber, all these guys that are part of our life, is he met they met on the school bus and. Danny and I started playing right away because mm-hmm. Rick told Danny about me. But the funny thing was, Rick wasn't playing <laughs> with us, but he was like, it was already assumed. in the room. He was in the group. <laughs> you, you already know, thought he was without an instrument. No, I was. Instrument, but he was in the band. <laughs> He's not when, out. when you need the bass player, you do not <laughs> ask anybody else. I was hung out. That's right. And that's what's funny is he he had got a guitar and he took the two strings off and made it a bass. So he was kind of ahead of the uh, curve. On You've the never not been presence. like that. I mean, I don't see. I just that you, to be I in don't there. see that your personality has wavered one bit, I which I think is great. I just want to be part of it. You and know? he was. Yeah. That's the great thing. Yeah. So, so going back with Shadow, your first band, and so Shadow also. No. No. First band was called Warrior. Well, we gotta go oh, back okay. to Star. S- yeah. S T A R. Oh, Star was the first thing we did where we didn't really. Most we were pretending to play music. Yeah. But we had a band <laughs> called Star. It was, it was elusive. It was the two of us. <laughs> nice. And I called myself Star Fraley. Did you really? That was my stage. I love it. And, and I, had, I had a hat made yeah, hats that said that. But the fact that you're doing it at all then, I'm sorry, hats <laughs> off. I think that's great. Then, sometimes Chris and I would just do it by ourselves at our parents' house, and then we go down to the guest room and we trash the guest room. Afterwards, like, what a great that's, show. That's what you do. And we, told, <laughs> and we thought that's what rock stars did, so we go trash our parents' guest room. 
Because that's what you like, do, yeah, man. What a great woo! You know, the towel off and yeah. We made like he said, we had these hats, man. He had the one that said star, star. And, I, and I just had one that was a star, like mm-hmm. baseball hats. You know when you could make transfers or like, yeah, make, yeah. Your, make yeah. your own stuff. So we had merch. Yeah. You had merch already. <laughs> yeah, we were this ready. is so vastly different from my growing up. That's why I love this it. Like I wish I'd been there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What was I doing then? Yes. I think I was just trying to look cute. And then we, and then I, we met Danny Newcomb, and, and Danny then, was the first guy I met who could actually play an instrument. Okay, yeah. Like what I wanted right. to do so badly, and right. so then we became fast friends right away. As I might have to come spend the night, and he brought us a good little guitar over and an imitation SG and a little. Teeny Fender amp, and he sat down and played Firehouse by Kiss and Chris and I went, because oh. our jaws thing, just dropped. That's the thing that was amazing about Danny is that, you know, he could play so well already. already. You know, it's like the people throw around that term, that child prodigy. prodigy. Oh, really? Yeah. He was truly that guy, and he yeah. was so good he already. He was so good instantly. That it sort of lifted, you know, and I think it also sort of inspired our chances of doing We could do this. We could do this pretty good, because yeah. this guy's really, really good, you know, and so the two of us just started playing, and, and the other thing that was funny about us is, you know, we did play... A couple of Kiss songs, but we immediately like he already had some songs. Like he, he had stuff written. He'd written a couple too. The first oh, time really? that Chris yeah. and Danny were played together, they had it on a memorized cassette. Yeah, we still have it. And he wrote a song called War of the Gods. It was like the it was an original. Heavy. Well, then also had reputation, dude. Reputation, yeah. yeah. So this guy that we just met is already <laughs> writing songs at like ten or eleven. He had like two tunes. Already. We should have Danny in here. <laughs> you know, I'm, go. I'm leading yeah. towards the shadow podcast yeah. that is to come. Yeah. So yeah. that was just that was inspiring. And Danny also was the first guy I knew to make a flyer. So he made a flyer of Warrior. He did, took he cut out pictures of us and he put it up all over Windermere and Lowerhurst. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize you could actually make flyers of your bands, even though we weren't really playing yet. He made flyers and put them up everywhere. Wow! Yeah, it wasn't really for anything. It was just sort of like just ex- it was our pictures with our names. And then he also made one that said Warrior Rocks, and he would just basically walk around the neighborhoods and put them up on poles. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that, and he did it. That's amazing that he thought of that. See, there's yeah. a, that will be really interesting to have him in as well, just to talk about the yeah. things that you you think are okay to do as a kid, or that he thought of it. You know, you just have that freedom of thought. And the other thing that's yeah. so funny about this story is that you know, in this picture at this time was Mike McCready the whole time. Yeah. But, yes. but but it was sort of like Danny was not that into letting him in. Danny didn't want him in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted him right away. I'm not saying that. Yeah, hence, but it was like, no, I'm, like, I'm going to go on record. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of elusively floating in this circle because you know, he was playing guitar too but I think he was still kind of learning and, uh, and we knew him too but then all of a sudden Danny was like, Oh, uh, and I can't remember if it was you or Danny now, but I, somebody said, oh, oh, here's our guitar player, Brad McQueen. We had another guy. He brought another okay. guy named Brad. Okay. And we were all kind of like, what? He, yeah, he brought another guy. Like, what up, what? But yeah. he had a nice frilly shirt on, so he was okay. Yeah. Where's that guy now? He, he left to become a baseball player. He, well, he, yeah, he eventually, wow. he actually quit. He quit Warrior. to become, he said, I want to be a professional what? baseball player. That's crazy. Which is the greatest Warrior? moment in Mike's And I was so excited. I was like, because I wanted Mike in the whole time. Best, best moment for Mike I was ever. like, yes. I go, that means Mike's in the band. Then he's like, hey, okay. Yeah, really. Because Mike was so ask- funny, you know, like right away, because Mike was just hilarious. And me. fun. Yeah, and fun yeah. to be around. Where Danny's not really fun, you know, he's... He's a little more serious. He's serious, yeah. About everything, music and everything, which was great, but we love, Chris and I love humor, and yeah. yes. Mike was this new friend that we'd met who was just hilarious. Well, you know, just a firecracker, too. I mean, just he would just come in, and he's hyper, and he was he's so like, loud. He's like, like, ready to go. Guitar was so loud. Like, yeah. I mean, it was just loud. You know, we were loud, and, and it's just like, it was so perfect. Oh, my God. Okay, I have two perfect. good stories yeah. about, like, I didn't know who Mike McCready was, and I think, goodness 
had gone down to LA and we were, maybe it was Danny and I, I'm not sure if you were there, Chris. We had gone to Rob's house. And he had some old footage of you guys on a ferry. Yes. Yeah, and there was yeah. some guy with like braces and like whatever. And he's just like and like just hyperactive, like all over. And I'm like, oh, who the yeah. hell is that? Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's Mike McCready. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, he was super, he was super hyper. Always was. Really hyper and like in your face and funny and making fun of everything. That's the thing that yeah. we, we, Chris and Mike and I would literally make fun of everything. Everybody was fair game, including yeah. members of our own band. Right. But he was the one that would drop his pants. Yes. You, I'm sorry, but you guys can still see that to this day. Like when we were having practice for the Rockbirds, you and Mike together is one show. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. then you can see you can see Mike and Danny talk like they're two guitar gods, Here, like trying yeah. to lighten up. You know, like it's it's Try I mean it's all good, it. but yeah. it's not yes. joking around, no, you know? Like it's, yeah. there's a lot of love there, yeah. but um but you guys it's instant like mayhem. <laughs> You know, the word weenus comes out Absolutely. or dick jokes or whatever. And you're like, oh, God, okay. Yeah. And then Mike, Mike keeps looking at me like, sorry. You know, like apologizing because it's like. <laughs> like you're the mother hand. Yeah. Well, even now, I mean, it's so funny when like, you know, my wife, Kim, and I will go out to dinner with Mike and his wife and we'll sit down and it'll take so long for him. You know, we, we, he just wanted to look at the menu because he's just like riffing and what's up with this and kiss and he'll talk about you know rubbing you and all of our friends has got you caught up in everything and we'll just be just laughing our ass and then finally one of those going we look at the fucking man. I need to eat. I need to eat. Will, will you two idiots stop talking about Paul Stanley so we can order Ashley and Kim what are you talking about kiss? Oh. Yes. Oh well yeah. I remember like the, again I, I, I will have those ladies in too because yeah. I, I remember the last one I felt like that was like a bold call for me to go can we talk about Bjork? <laughs> Well, like the first like, Rockford show, like we had to move the day because Kiss was playing at the Gorge. Yes, so, yeah. So Chris yeah. and I, like, we can't do it that night. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like on a Thursday or something. They was like, why is the show well, Thursday? Because Kiss is playing. This is what I do. One of the many things I love about you guys is that the I've always said one of my only favorite things on touring, and touring's not my favorite. Um, yes. Some people love it. I, I, am, I go to bed early. I like to read books. I take a bath. Like I don't stay up for the crazy. Um, All nighter. All nighters. Yeah. One, because for a woman, it's not really that much fun, you know. And the end, Fia's but all right. Fia is actually well. Fia is killer. <laughs> even Fia, was, Fia is up for the all nighters. She just knows how to do it, though. Yeah, She's yeah. like a she silent good, yeah. observer, and crazy. And then later, she'll like snicker like that was great. Yeah. Which is funny because witty observation. It's funny yeah. that you say that. That because I think, in, in my opinion, I always thought you were actually were good at it. What? Oh, being crazy? No, at touring. Oh, and I think, and over the years, she was smart. Over the years, I've used you kind of as a reference of like somebody, like you know, because you know you were the front person with goodness and the singer, you know, and we would have those crazy tours where we'd have to play nine nights in a row, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know, you know, yes, you kind of missed out on drinking a hundred Heinekens all night long, (laughs) but you were smart. To go to bed and you know, to keep your voice strong because if right. you would have crapped out, I mean, we would have been we left done. high and dry. And that did happen. I mean, I remember being out with Candlebox, Kevin Martin's voice. I mean, he blew yes. his voice out. Yeah. Well, he times. said to me, yeah. the tour that we did with them, we went two months, right? We did two separate tours. Yeah. Well, the one there was a two month long one, yeah. and he said to me, he goes, "I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you." Um, how do you not lose your voice? And I said, "Well, I have before when I was in Hammerbox. Yeah. I lost my voice yeah. and n- never again." I was like. 
I don't. Remember, I was doing that crazy elimination diet, too, so it was like no dairy, no... Yeah, you were drinking those shakes. Drinking <laughs> those crazy shakes. things in the, in the van. So there's nothing to kind of, you know, I don't know. Yeah, know. it was either you or the shakes or Rick trying to be a vegetarian on tour. Yes. That was yeah. tough, yeah. Did you have I another can't... salad at Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> we can only get, like, taco time got to be my favorite because I can have beans. Right. So I'm like, beans. there you go, that's awesome. Yeah. You get a lot of my It's true, I mean, yeah. not that, uh, you know, I have years and years of experience with touring, but... There's a real art with it to, to do it and to, you know, number one, enjoy it, and two, to stay mentally and physically sort of healthy. I think it's a, because it's such yeah. a weird... And number three, don't talk so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop you talking. Yeah. It's Stop such a talking. weird uh, cocoon that you're sort of living in. It's so much about everything you're doing is about getting to do that 45 minutes or two hours on stage, right. whatever it is. That's all. Your yeah. whole life is about those moments on stage you know to, uh, uh, you know one sort of playing great with your band and two you really are advertising mm-hmm. you know yeah. you're like you're working please buy our record because you know you're no longer in your, your hometown <laughs> right where everybody knows you and claps for you and stuff and they're all right. your friends so you really are like playing for strangers and trying to sort of win them over and I, I always felt like you know, we didn't always win, but I felt like we always did a, a great job and oh I, I thought and we worked kudos, hard kudos to you you know because you had the you had the hardest job of us all, you know, really. Well, remember when we did that tour, it was it was work. And you're right, because yeah. the sitting around gets really hard. But um, you remember we would play, it was like, okay, not fronting's hard, you know. Yeah. If they don't, especially on that tour, because there was a couple yeah. times where there was a lot of misogyny and a lot of like, yes. you know, hate for women. And it's, you know, a female-fronted band, you know. So you're confronting strange things like yeah. that. But then it would be like, we had a system. Remember, it was like, we'd play the show, do your best, and then bam, I would head to merch. Like, yeah, we yes. didn't have a merch person. Yeah. So it was like, my night was play the show, mm-hmm. go sell shit, you know? Yeah. And then and then go to bed. Danny and I have talked about this. We're, we're just similar in that, like, I get... I don't hang out as much because I get bored, you know, like I can only get drunk so many times without one getting sick yeah. or hurting myself. But also like for a female, it's like, who am I talking to that's so interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like it just wasn't, that, and, and I really love, like I love a hot bath and I want to read a book because also most everyone I'm talking to, forgive me, are yeah. drunk and loaded and it's yeah, kind of dumb and boring. Yeah. 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 And so I'm like, has anybody read a book? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like echo, yeah. echo. But I will say, so what I was getting to is... One of my all-time favorite things is listening to you two recount the night. Like, I would pay money to listen to you two talk about it. If I could pull the van over and be like, no, no, tell me again. What happened? Like, it was yeah. such a better uh, experience than actually being, you know, being there. Absolutely. And, I love and that. it's true. You, I mean, you are kind of front row. It's a little bit of a freak show out there with some of the things you deal with and the people. That As you a woman, it's yeah. just yeah, different, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have always said, someone has said, like, oh, is it rough being a female fronting a band? Like, have you been... You know, I was like, I could count on one hand, really, how many times I've been like treated poorly. Yeah. I mean, uh, not very often. Yeah. So I and I also don't really think gender. Like I've never thought of myself as like I am a woman first, and what is going on? You know, I just don't think that way. Yes. I'm like I'm a singer. This is what I'm doing. I want to get this done. You know, I don't. Um, I don't think about that. Yeah, I mean, I can only really remember a couple times where it was pretty bad, but I, I also think it's kind of a testament to our group and our confidence when we were playing that with goodness I mean I think we knew we were a pretty great band and we weren't up there sort of shy about it I think we were very confident Mm -hmm. with what we were doing so I think the audience connected to that you know 
Well, that worst show was Deep Ellum, right? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was the worst show the in Dallas. Texas. Yeah, with opening for Candlebox, who treated us so well. Yeah, and that's one thing I will give Kevin a shout out. I mean, I will never forget that show. That was a rugged one where people throwing were beer spitting and throwing things. And he, I always remember him coming on stage and sort of pointing out who those two guys were and he kind of threw them out you know because mm-hmm. they were just so nice to the well, horrible they were screaming <laughs> awful things at me horrible, like just horrible, take your horrible, clothes off or you know. show us your tits and yeah. call me the c word and i remember garth and i you know your adrenaline's running i have enough tomboy <laughs> in me where like we're going to the edge of the stage like i'm gonna kill you like what well, i'm gonna i'm literally wearing a black slip like i'm gonna fuck you up like yeah, yeah. what was i gonna do but yeah, it was but- also baffling to look at three people and say i don't understand where this apparent hate yes like you're at a show and you're drunk having a good time like really but that goes on all the time though there's a i mean the internet's opened up a whole world of people who hate women i did well on that tour i realized that in certain sectors of men they do not know what to do with a powerful talented woman on stage who's in a control who's in a control spot Yes. yes I'm the I'm usually in the male spot where y'all blowing down, and I'm like, no, I'm the one leading this ship here. Perceptive, you know, if you're on. But stage. I also remember what was funny about that. That was that the era of when I think Epic was giving us those sound scan reports, and that I remember from that show, like, even though that show was so wonky and you know horrible to deal with, I remember like we actually sold like a a good amount of records like a couple days later oh, really? which was really funny like you know all these people going yeah, I hate these guys too but what, what are they called yeah, you know, exactly. like, they're really terrible is it goodness you know right yeah I feel bad I'm gonna go buy your record <laughs> now Kevin yeah, said they're okay yeah yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. yeah but again I, I gotta say I mean that I give it up for Candlebox they were such a great band to tour with and they treated us so well and uh, gave us a good Tours, they you know, did. Well with them, they know? really took care and of us. Just great people to. And Kevin's still a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's yeah. amazing. He put Danny on a show last year or two years ago at the Moor when I asked him, "Is it we open for you guys?" He said, "No problem." And right, we still text and stuff. I mean, he's still a great guy. Yeah, he looks a little like the big Lebowski now. That's what you guys said. I haven't seen him in a while. I'm trying to imagine that. He's taken on a whole different look. He's such a handsome guy. He's really handsome tall. He looks good like that, too, but it's a whole different look. Which is funny because I've had some people say, man, your brother kind of looks like the dude now. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I guess. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. If you're bearded, I guess you look like the dude. Well, I've got the, you know, I've kind of gotten the Bridges thing over the years. Like, you look like one of those Bridges brothers. I'm like, oh, like Bo Bridges? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't don't say eyebrows, guys. What about Lloyd Bridges? (laughs) Which Bridges? Which Bridges? Yeah, you gotta be pretty clear on that. Clarify. (laughs) Clarify, please. Well, Friday night, I I played a show in this really hammered girl. I was trying to get my drums and she grabs by the arm. She goes, hey, man, I'd say you look like Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. <laughs> and I said, well, wow. Yes, well, I have. I've never heard that one. Really? Yeah, I get the Dana I've never Carvey. heard Dana that. Carvey. Now I'm going to stare at you for a long time. Yeah. I'm like, Dana. Well, I, one time I was in a cab, and this guy, there was a guy, he was like, you look just like Huh Hubbing. And I was like, ooh, ooh. <gasps> and he goes, you look like Huh Hubbing. And I was like, huh? Hubbing. And he goes, Kurt Hubbing. <laughs> and I was like, Kurt Hubbing. Yeah. Hey, wow. Super reaching. <laughs> He's also the same cab driver. That's a great story. Driving, I really had to get somewhere, and he pulls off or downtown. And he goes, "Do you mind?" And I go, "What?" And he goes, "I gotta go to the bathroom." <laughs> do you mind? And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of do fucking mind." <laughs> That's why I'm in a cab. Right, right. I gotta go. I gotta get somewhere. And he so like, easy. And he just randomly ran in some hotel and took a leak. And I get back and I goes, "He goes, very sorry. Bad for your kidney." It's so true. And then I go, so what? He goes, he goes, if you hold pee, bad for kidney. Like, this yes. bad for my wallet. How much is this bad for my... I'm going to be late somewhere now. <laughs> I'm 
she turn the meter off? <laughs> okay, I kind of wanted to talk about this too. In my head, I started thinking about personalities. And you guys are so vastly different in personality. But together, obviously, you know, you're, you're at ease or whatever. But you're very... You're very Virgo. You're very like I've yes. got things in order. Yes. You're more freeform, Rick. For you're sure. very much in, intuitive. Like I don't know, I'm trying this, but this is and I'm yeah. and you're you're very intent on um, creatively yes. being who you are, right? I'm all about that. Yeah. But so I, I'm sure you, maybe you guys don't see that, but you seem you're a lot like storytelling and like extroverted. Well, Chris is you're a great very, storyteller. You just just tell you the story about the cat. No, no, but you're gregarious. Yes, I, I find I find Chris. Sure. I find you very steady, Eddie. You know what I mean? Like yes. you're funny. I have sure. to. Uh, it's funny you say that. I mean, I think at times I have to kind of like fight my Virgo ness because it can yeah. be a little bit of a prison <laughs> at times. But um, no, leave it's it. true. And I also I also have That's to say, what I want to say to you. Leave it. It's a great leave thing <laughs> for me now at this age. It's a great thing to hear people say that because I think. We grew up so long where people are like, are you twins? You know, you're yeah. exactly alike. And I don't think we ever really were alike, but I think that... But we were just I think the public the face is sort of like, frill, you know, Frill Brothers are kind of like the same people. Right, right. And I think that, that it's... I think actually now, it's like I embrace it when people say, right. oh my God, you know, your brother's just like this. And, and Well, right, like get to know you better. It's actually kind of a great thing, but it, um, it is true. I mean, I think we've always been very, very different and probably more so now is that we're older dudes. I, I think we were more similar when we were kids and then yeah. when we kind of stopped playing in Shadow, Shadow kind of came to an end, we moved back from Hollywood and then you kind of went off and started playing with other bands. Yeah, that's true. Kristen Berry for yeah. one oh, and other yeah. things and we still play together but I think Chris kind of broke off from the two of us to start playing with other people and that's when I kind of felt like you developed your own personality as far as really becoming a different unique person yeah. where it was evident because he started actually yeah. playing with somebody else. With Up until then, we just played together and everything. And you kind of need to do that. And there was no notion of <clears throat> that of playing any other band except for Shadow. But then once he broke off and did that, and then we just we discovered that everybody in Seattle's in like three or four bands at once. And, right. And then we kind of started branching off and playing together, but it also in other bands. And I think it that's is true. Like, I mean, there is sort of that thing where I think when we were growing up, there was never really a thought of being in a bunch of bands no you know right you know and, and, I, and, I, and there are some oh, there is some of that like I kind of miss I mean there was there is that time when I was literally just in goodness with you and right and it was yeah. sort of like you know it's like five people fighting mm-hmm. for this thing and it was I mean in some ways it was kind of easier but it was also heartbreaking oh yeah <laughs> you yeah. know in a way because you yeah. it's like you know it's like it's like five people with their company and you know it's like you're all trying to do this thing and I think there's also now you know being that you know the two of us play in so many different projects we have some together and some apart but that you get to get the fun of all of those and some of the joy but at the time it, at the times it can be very scatterbrained right yes trying to do mm-hmm. them all and trying to put you know your passion into all of them you know because both of you do a lot of projects like don't between the two of you have at least three going at one time I think now i think I've got, I've got like six or seven that i do but for me what makes them kind of jive is that a lot of them are some of the same people. So in a way, I sort of consider what I do it's sort of like a collective. It's oh yeah, yeah. It's a lot of the same people. You just move some of the pieces apart. That's so actually it actually true. helps with scheduling, right? You know, because a lot of those people are in the same thing. So it's not like you're saying, "Hey, we got to go play and you know wherever can you do this?" You know, it would be harder if every single band was different because <laughs> it's. Re- I mean. That's the other thing that is so different. I mean, we're kind of hopping around topics, but it's so different. 
trying to play music in your 40s versus when we were kids or when you're 20. It's so, so much harder to schedule yes. now with people who have kids and serious businesses and and just different passions and and, and energy level and just energy. And, and it's sort of like you have to be understanding of the fact of like, you know, the thing is, I'd really rather do this on a Tuesday night than rather than right. go do this or, right. you know, I can't make it to rehearsal, you know, kids got soccer and, right. you know, all that stuff. And where in the old days, it's sort of like, we got practice in an hour. You're going to be there, of course, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's about, yeah. Yeah. About yeah. Chris and I yeah. is that, yeah. from the moment we met Danny, we started practicing. And so we practice all the time. And then once we got Mike in the band, we practiced more. And then we yeah. got our singer, Rob Weber in the band and we literally practice five days a oh, week. Just week. Yeah. Oh, every like, week without fail and even yeah. if Rob wouldn't show up right. we still practice so we developed a stamina we developed an energy mm-hmm. and enthusiasm that I, most people I meet don't have right. but that comes from being little kids and learning how to develop stamina and energy and ability to just keep going and so that's, and also that's just where becoming from. better musicians we'll be kind of we're joking around about Mike but I feel like you know from all of us like you know, he came in and he was just sort of playing guitar, but I think that, like we are saying with Danny, and he was already amazing, And but we all played so much that it yeah. was like, you know, that thing, that 10,000 hours thing you talk right. about. I mean, we really put in the time, and again, it gets back to having supportive parents. I mean, they, the only time they would get mad is if we weren't rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's like they were just like, you know, you're not working on your craft, because it's sort of like, oh well, gosh. if you're not going to go That's do awesome. this, you know, if you're not going to really focus on trying to do this or if you're not going to be on a sports team or something like this you at least got to put in the time and, and that's Still what we did well. I mean that was the thing we would practice five days a week without fail in the be, summer in yeah. the way everything where everybody else is out swimming or playing or party and we would be right. in the practice room and this is when right. you know you really wouldn't play that many shows we no. would probably do two or three shows a year yeah in yeah. roller so rings wow. all, all the time all the time yeah. just to get better and we really cared about it. we really cared about right. working yeah. on arrangements and endings and Danny and that was together, and Chris and I locking in together. And that was the hard change of you know when we did when we did leave Seattle, we moved to Los Angeles. Is that we, we didn't have a parents' house to practice. We didn't have a house. We didn't have money, so no. we would. The only we didn't know how to manage money. The only times we would rehearse mm-hmm. is like right before a show. So you sort of saw oh. the whole thing change and the yes. struggle to sort of like stay focused and sort of oh, stay yeah. with your craft. Yeah, and, okay. And also it was yeah. it was sort of a. A hard transition of I kind of feel like I really forced the issue of us to move to Hollywood because I was I it kind of went from let's have fun playing music to let's make it and I know I really had it in my mind like if we move to Hollywood we're gonna make it with shadow I believed in shadow 100% even if it go now it's just three of us Danny right. quit and Rob had been fired and so we, I kind of like so let's all say buddy move to Hollywood I kind of forced the issue of us moving down there, and I think once we got down there, we discovered number one, we didn't have a place to practice. Number two, we didn't have manage money. Number three, like Mike hated <laughs> living in LA. Yeah. And I think Chris and Mike sort of started getting the idea we should move back, and I was definitely separate from saying let's stick it out and right. Try to well, make yeah, it. and, and it, was, it's it a romantic was, dream too because LA and like oh your heroes Hollywood. are there. You know, it's a part of a bigger dream. You and I was have. so happy, you know. Kind of getting out of the shower with my parents and living on our own for the first time and yeah. driving around there's palm trees and yeah, yeah. well we've seen it's you know, exciting our friend you know we grew up with Duff McKay and he'd gone down there and, and Rob Weber had moved down there yeah. We'd seen people go down there and have some success, and mm-hmm. you also have to remember this was when Seattle was very very different. You know there wasn't all the places to play, there wasn't all the opportunities. I mean no, 
the funny thing is, I mean, the very ironic thing is, like, literally the second we left, Seattle became... Oh, no. You know? Huge. I always have this funny vision <laughs> in my mind of us driving this way and all this opportunity driving <laughs> this way. I'm going, where are you going, fuckers? I got a truckload of clubs and record companies coming this way. Where are you headed? We're going to L.A. Well, this is a, this is a funny story is that... That's awful. Mike and Chris and I were hanging out in my bedroom and... Uh, you know, you're looking at my parents' house all the time. It was like the place to I be. Know. And Duff showed up, and I'm not making this up. He literally had a SG over his, behind his back with his little hat on. And he was with Chris Udding, who was this punk rock guy, you know, Chris Crass. And he's like, I want to, where's Mike? I want to find Mike. And we're like, Mike's like, what's up? He's like, I'm moving to Hollywood. I'm going to go try and make it. And he had his guitar, like, I've like, told Duff this story. He doesn't believe it's true. He's like, that's a Hollywood story. I'm like, no, it. No, it really I saw it, yeah. The, and, I was and, there too. And, and the three of us were like, what do you mean your movie's out? Like, we just couldn't even process it. And he's like, I'm going to go to LA, I'm going to live in my car, I'm going to try and make it. And It really and I, was. And funny, I read this yeah. poster, Mick Jagger, and Chris Buddy goes, Mick Jagger's a faggot. <laughs> No. Mickey Jagger's a faggot rogue. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, but I, I, this is punk rock guy at our house with Duff. And, and I, that's funny. You know, I've told Duff this way too. And I, I remember it really was it's kind of something out of a dream. Like because the way Rick had his bedroom, he had, he he luck he he got the great room. I got the guest room. <laughs> he got the, nice. Rick suddenly got like the kill room. Like. He had this room that was connected to where our garage was, so he could like sneak out the window all the time. I've heard those stories. Yeah, yeah. so we had this window that was open, and I'll never forget because you know we at this time we didn't see Duff that much. No. And then just all of a sudden, he just showed up. Duff was standing because I wasn't even in the. I could see him from far away. It was like right out of a dream, (laughs) and he's got like Rick said, he's got this SG, no case. Mm -hmm. He's got his cool hat and little Guns N' Roses. Yep. And he's like. I'm going. I'm going to LA. And we're like, what? And he, and he wanted to come say goodbye to Mike. Like, like, yeah, it was really important him. before he, really, he was oh leaving gosh. that night. Like, I want to, I want to say goodbye to Mike. So That's sure enough, wild. he went. And then, you know, he he really was one of the inspirations we went down. And when we did go down, one of the first things that we did mm-hmm. was he got us into the filming of Welcome to the Jungle video. Oh, and you can actually see me. I'm in the video a little bit. Tim's in the video. Tim was with us. Tim is really the And I mean, you want to nice. talk about like literally just getting hit with an ice bucket. <laughs> going to see those guys play and going, yeah, we're going to do that too. Like it was sort of like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, it was so absolutely incredible. I had yeah. never seen them. They were so good. It was almost scary. Just, oh, were they really like, good? Yeah, you're almost frightened <laughs> of them. Like the first yeah. time you ever saw Axl Rose do his thing. Thing, yeah. It's with like, like crazy hair. And he's like, and he's kind of pissed. <laughs> But the sex pistols must have been like, I, you, you I, see I, them I, I, and Slash is kind of imposing and they're kind of scary. I was kind of scared. Is Slash tall? Is he like, no. His hat's he's amazing. Crazy. But I just yeah. remember leaving there kind of going, well now what are we going to do? You know, it's sort like, of like, seriously, wow. Yeah. See, now, that, here's the difference of <laughs> me going, yeah, we're great too and yeah. we're just as good as those guys and we can totally get signed. Chris is like, oh, oh yeah. See, yeah, that's the difference between I was going, we're just as good as those guys. I felt pretty lovely. Our song's just as good, and yeah. we're gonna get signed too. <laughs> yeah. You're very altruistic too. Like you're because you've got a vision. Yeah, I'm Is that the right word? Altruistic. Like I don't you know. see well, the good. Speaking in... of bad grammar. <laughs> I know, right? That's what this show's about. I mean, eventually. I got. I mean, it, <clears throat> that's how we're different. This thing could turn yeah, into yeah. hours, hours long. But I mean, I think it really. He's is, gonna edit it down. It to 10 is minutes. true right. that Rick yeah. should tell this no story. Way. That <laughs> I so get up for Rick. I mean, he went down to LA. I mean, you have to tell the story about when you walked in on the meeting of Guns N' Roses. I mean, Rick was so ballsy. He just walked into like Geffen, Geffen Records. Records. Yeah. You know, like he just... Did you? Oh yeah, this is back in 86. I, I went down with cassettes of Shadow and I just would go to record companies yeah. and I would just walk in and like, where's the A&R guy? And he's there and I'd just sit down and just and say, hey, I'm Rick Friel and da 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 and 
Siamese, the Atlantic, and, and RCA. Vicky Hamilton, Vicky Hamilton. Or Vicky Hamilton. I, I, I found yeah. out who Guns Rose's manager was, and I went Poison. to her house. Yeah. What'd she say? She thought we were great. Everybody was really nice. And then I went to Geffen, and like, who's in charge here? And I walked into Geffen Records. I found the address, and I kicked this door open, and there was like a meeting with Guns N' Roses. And the guy's like, we need more songs. And I go, hey, Dove, what's up? <laughs> Never heard that story. No, and I went, I went, and then he would, he would, you know, he would call us and say, you know, I went down. I was all those people, and so Mike and I were stuck. We we're like, wow, this is, you know, this could be. A oh, thing. you went down first? Oh yeah, yeah by myself. Yeah. And, I, I and I booked just yeah. a show. It was a pay-to-play show. Of course, yeah. I thought that's how you did it in L.A. And so I got to show at the Roxy because I'd heard of the Roxy and right. drove all the way down there. And then like the only people the show were Duff and our parents, our parents and like a couple, a couple other friends. people. Wow. And Duff, got, Duff couldn't have told a couple people. Duff was there. He did. I think he had somebody with him. Duff was yeah. there with Todd yeah. Crew from yeah. Jeff Boy. And, yeah. um, and we found a, a place to flop. It was a weird house by the airport that we all slept in, remember? Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> That's like, isn't that oil fields like right in between there, too? That's such a weird, like, I was a true believer, and I, I still yeah. am a true believer. Yeah. But it was awesome. I mean, I, it was, I always feel like I totally grew up down there and kind of learned how to do everything. And it was such a... I think we only could have done it because... Of like Rick said, the sense of humor that the three of us had, and the mm-hmm. friendship that we had. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it was like for Mike to all of a sudden have to move in with two brothers. I don't think it was. Oh right. I don't yeah. think he was quite prepared for that. Didn't he live at your house for a while? He though? did a he little did, bit, but yeah. it was different. You My know? parents put him up there when his you parents, know? His, parents his, family, his parents got divorced. I think he okay. was having fun, and that after a while, you know, I, I think he started having some of his health problems, and I think, I think he was really seeing this as sort of like a you know it was not happening. And, and also, think, he yeah. was he wasn't. He didn't have the support that this is well talking. He didn't have the support that Chris and I did. My parents sure. so loving. My parents came down and took us to yeah. the supermarket and bought us food and made us sandwiches and Yeah. And they would send us like a pasta and company care packages. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so awesome. Like we would have no food for weeks and weeks and then we would just get this styrofoam cooler with like super expensive really food, nice, yeah. Mac and cheese and you know, it's like yeah, they were Well like, I gotta tell you the first time they ever sent one, they sent us like this lamb Italian thing and these guys were at work and I got the package. Like, I'm gonna surprise them and make them dinner. So my mom gave me this thing. It was like in a foil with plastic on top. It was this lamb thing. And I put it in the oven. I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait. And they're gonna get home in like an hour. And I sat at the table. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that smells really weird. This, is that what lamb's supposed to smell like? I opened it up and I forgot to take the plastic off the top. Oh, no. <laughs> and it totally melted in. And I was like, oh. And I called my mom. <laughs> Yeah. We never really cooked or did laundry or shopped say, this for is ourselves. A, this, is, this, is, this is the yeah, other story. Right. We were babies. Yeah. We were, yeah. Yeah. did everything for yeah. us. Yeah, we didn't know how to do anything. So that's why I would say that we kind of figured We grew up. Okay, let's, let's, there was let's a serious, the whole... There, there was a serious laundry problem as soon as we moved down. We <laughs> oh, yeah. We did not my mom did all our laundry. understand laundry. I got two questions. <laughs> yeah. How's the laundry now? Because you're both married. I'm a laundry fanatic. Okay, good. To, yeah. to the point where it's almost like a... I don't know what you call it, a vice. I love doing laundry. You love doing oh laundry. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'd like you to come love over it. and talk to Marty. That'd be great. Yeah, my uh, my wife always says you wash, you know, we, like, you know, there's just 
you're doing the towels too many times. It's always like, you could, use a, you could use a towel one more time. Yeah, and I was like, why did you wash my jeans? I just took them off for a second. Yeah. I said, I thought they were dirty. She said, I'm dirty. I just wore them. Which is funny. Yeah. And so when you okay. left them in the hallway, they're, they're gone. But I do have to say, because I'm sure Kim will listen to this, is that I, I'm good at washing. I'm not the best at folding. Oh, you're very all. kind. Yeah. I love you, it all. I have, a, care about that. I have a little radio downstairs. Uh, it's on Pixie. I'm happily folding. It's on Put Pixie. the socks together. Yeah. I love that. And so I, I love doing laundry and dishes. Too. Can you come over, you guys? I think what I would like is a Sunday because I know your Sundays are. I missed your Sunday. Spaghetti, sixty minutes. Yeah, and before that, I've got the I morning, get Sunday New York, New York Times, yeah. and I have my coffee. It's my favorite. Is that day. unfailing? You always done that. You still do that. I've done that since I can remember because my parents used to get the Sunday New York Times. Okay, this is another thing I love about you guys that I don't tend to have is that you guys are steady Eddie in certain routines, For right? Sure. Yeah. Which yeah. I find comforting just even hearing about. Yeah. Like I told someone. Um, I live vicariously through you because I don't read the news. I don't do that. I, I get I love I get it. too much of the tragedy. Uh, I'm too empathetic. I get too sad, and I know that leaves me uninformed. But if you read it with a hopeful heart, you can. Mm-hmm. Get I struggle it. with that, but when we were on tour, you guys consume like a lot of periodicals. Information. Yes. The, when you get the Rolling Stone, you read it cover to cover. We do. I just read the and Bingo one. I again, I will pay for this. Like it was so much fun to listen to you guys recount. Because I, I, I liked it so much better than having to read it. Because I don't really feel like, ah, oh, I'm getting emotionally yeah. pissed you're, off. I you're just getting the best. We were kind of the first podcast, really. Yeah. You probably were, yeah. The podcast in the band. Well, that and, like, you're joking, like, so I'm, I'm going to go back to, like, when yeah. we all met. So I remember you guys, when I was going to the University of Washington on the Ave, right, which is not really, it's the University way, but it's called the Ave. Um, yeah, but I remember yeah. the Friel Brothers, hearing about the Friel Brothers and seeing you guys at the coffee shop. What was that coffee Express shop? Express Aroma. Express Aroma. Work like, it. there's the Friel Brothers, like, very pretty boys. You guys had, like, the long hair, yeah. like, all... That's know. actually where I met Kim, my wife. Friel. That's right. Yeah. Kim worked she there. She hired me. So, I remember you guys from that, and I wasn't in bands then. I, don't, I wasn't in bands then, but I was, I don't know, I was hanging out on the app. You know, you're all young. You kind of all know some people somehow. No, I didn't know who Kim was. But I would go there and have coffee and be like, oh, look at the, you know, interesting, you know, baristas, <laughs> yeah. the pretty boys here, or whatever, whoever they are. And then uh, later, um, somehow, as I got more into music, did Hammerbox and all that, it's such a small community that when I did Goodness, um, I had... I got Danny involved, which took forever because Timo wouldn't give me his number, which I think is really funny. Like, as I tried to do this second project, I had, like, oh, who am I going to get involved? Like, you know, I could probably say, yeah, I'll get you his number. Yeah, totally. no, and I totally won't because I want a piece of this, but I'm probably not going to have any time for you. I, wanna, I don't want anyone else to get Resistance. this. Resistance, yeah. But I'm not going to do anything. I too well, Timo's a ge- I mean, he's genius, he is. but he's got his foot in 8 million pies. And so you're mm. like, I love that, but you're squishing my pie. Get out of here. Like, yeah. so when. Uh, Timo also, though, I got to say, I, we did, we did our, we have a band called Jody Watts been together about 18 years and we did our one show we only, only did like one show a year because Dave Hawks doesn't want to do more than that but um, so I wanted to put my dream show together so my first thought was Timo and so I said Timo you want to do a show with us like yeah I do and I said yeah. okay there's not going to be anybody there there's going to be no money <laughs> but I'd love Good to have you open yeah. the show I said yeah I'll fly in from New York so he flew in from New York right. to do the show and he, it was a one-man band where he had all the music programmed on a computer, yeah. and he had a headset, and he started the show, he brought a chair, he started the show under a blanket. 
Yeah. And he did the whole first song under a blanket doing crazy movements. And immediately these, the whole crowd started separating from like, <laughs> the wheat from the chaff, like the daring people who never heard right. of him to people who loved Timo to kind of the crazy people who like yeah. Jenny Watts who were just disturbed. They were right, right. And then everybody else started going to the bar. And right. Timo did this show that was about like rock and roll and child abuse in <laughs> New York and yeah. wearing an overcoat and like these yeah. glasses and the headset and screaming and yelling and jumping around and then he ended the show back under the blanket. It was one of the coolest things I've ever well, Seattle's seen. Well, Seattle's not ready for, yeah. for New York modern art. It was like New York performance art. I mean, he's he's like New I York to the core. Like, yeah. And when I did my top 10 for Easy Street, like I do every year, I... He was like there in my top show of the year. That was it. Yeah, I came to the show. I didn't even think I had gotten in the door. I was I was outside, and somebody goes, "There's a dude in there playing under a blanket." And I go, "What?" The guy's under a blanket. That's how he started the show, and he was like moving under the blanket. Yeah. And right Did away, I was thinking, oh, everybody, everybody's going like, "What's going on?" And you can kind of feel people like going. This is too weird. I'm know. going to the bar, and then everybody else kind of went closer and closer. Yeah. Like, oh, we need more of this. Yeah, and right away I was thinking like, is my brother under a blanket? And I was like, it's <laughs> gotta be rich. Well, here's what's funny. Is <laughs> so that, I had to just say that about Timo that he's just. Brilliant. Well, he's 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 a. You I feel like he's a, amazing. Like, yeah. oh, I'd love to have Tim on a podcast. It would it'd be like three four hours long. Oh yeah, easy. And he'd be playing all of his music like in mm-hmm. full volume, going, "Wait, here's another one," yeah. and then I'd never get a word in. But yeah, but I think he's brilliant. Um, but what I think is funny is I started goodness and it was the, the German germination of it was with Timo. Yeah. Kind of like here's a side project. We didn't have yeah. it obviously wasn't goodness yet. And I was sort of I'm always looking for somebody new because Hammerbox was a collection of people who weren't nobody was from here. So I'm always sort of like, oh, well, I want to. It was like four square pegs, basically. Well, it was like Tennessee, Kentucky, Oregon, yeah. and, you know, Eastern Washington right. State. Like, nobody was like <laughs> some weird group of people. Yeah. But when I started, I was sort of like, oh, I want new people. You know, I want, I don't know, some people I don't know, um, which works and doesn't work for me sometimes. So, and I also have a tendency to have a lot of faith in people, even when they don't, you know, so that <laughs> yeah. plays, out, plays out well or not sometimes. But. When I was doing this with uh, Tim, I was like, well, I'm looking to put together a band. And he mentioned Danny, and then, but he wouldn't give me his number. <laughs> and Eric, my brother was in the band at the time, yeah. but he was also in Citizens Utilities. And so we had Eric, Mary Ellen, I think Danny, and I don't, and, and I had asked Garth to play, because I was like, oh, you, I loved Nubbin. Yeah, they were great. And I was like, oh, I, I think you'd be great. And Garth, even in the beginning, was like, well, I don't know, whatever. I'm like, no, it's going to be great. It's like, you know, it's like, I have faith in you, you know. <laughs> and so we all started playing. But then Eric was like, oh, I got to, I'm, I'm actually, I have two bands. I got to pick one. I'm going to go with Citizens. And I was like, okay. And Danny's like, oh, I've got someone who I want to join the band. And I was like, oh, who? And he goes, Ooh. Chris Frill. And I go, oh. <laughs> That big haired dude. That dude. The skinny jeans. <laughs> Like, I think the first thing out of my mouth was like, I am not having a pretty boy in this band. I'm not fucking having... We're not Guns N' Roses. What is this crap? What is this poison? Well, because all of a sudden I was, I mean, being an outsider, I was leery of like, I'm glad there's a lot of cool people who are from here, but I got to do my own thing. And I don't want to just plug into everybody who knows everybody. Like, I don't want that automatic. It's kind of like, wow. Oh, and I did have this stereotype about yeah. you guys like oh pretty boys like I'm gonna because it's funny because I, I, I remember he uh, I came and saw you guys I think I saw you it was either once or twice before you I did, started playing yeah. with you and but I didn't get a chance to talk to you I, I had mm-hmm. talked to you before but that show that I came to you guys were playing at Moe's and I remember this was around the time when I was having my migraines and he, he said come oh, up and see he had come terrible up, ones yeah. Yeah. so he, he, says, he said you gotta come up and see goodness 
check it out. And I've been meaning to see you guys. And I remember I'm like walking my way. And also I have to pre- preface it. This time I was listening to a lot of the Eagles. So like, like my <laughs> idea of music was like, I had this vibe of like, you know, in my You mind. thought we were going to be the Eagles? No, no. I'm just saying the reaction I had. Oh. Like I was really into like that kind of thing at that time in my life. I was like into that, you know, I was like Pete Droge and just mm-hmm. Eagles music and just like super songs. You know, super songs. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I come in and I think you guys had already started and like my headache's going like, <laughs> it's getting bigger and bigger. And I remember uh, I, I, watching you guys and I liked it. Like it was good. But I had a fucking headache. Oh, and no, then, yeah. And I then I remember, I think Alcohol Funny Car came on. Oh. And I like all those guys, and they're nice yeah. guys. But <laughs> they gave, the migraine was full of yeah. yeah. And those guys came My on. mom And I was just like, said, I am just, alternative music is hurting me. <laughs> I, I need to go back to Team Henley. <laughs> so I'm out of here. I gotta get back to Team Henley and Glenn Fry. I'm not sticking up for that. I'm I gotta take taking, a limit. I gotta listen to Take It Easy again. You know. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Listen, I watched the documentary. I have full respect for those guys. There's a lot of that's the best documentary ever because they just admit they don't even like each other. Oh, I right. love Joe Walsh, but anyway, so me too. That's a whole other thing. So, so I remember uh, when he he when Danny called me and said, uh, "I want to talk to you about," uh, because first he just said to me, "You're going to play on the record." He, I met him. Uh, oh, uh, well, that, that this this yeah. also gets back to Danny, where Danny's like an onion, like he doesn't tell you the whole story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You got to yes. peel back information of what's yeah. Happened. He yeah. has it all in his head, but he's not going to tell you everything. Well, the reason why he said, I think my brother was kind of on the fence. I think, I th- actually think my brother was like, I want to play on the record. Yes. But then I'm leaving. <laughs> and so... Well, you know, the first thing I said to him, he, you know, he told me that. And I, and I was thinking about seeing you guys. And I was kind of like, well, you know, I, was like, I wasn't like, you know, like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, 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 I said, well, I don't want to do it, you know, you know, if Eric's still in the group, that's just not a cool thing to do. He's like, no, it's fine. I've talked to Eric about it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm a drummer. There's nothing fine. I know that story. Drummers are not fine. <laughs> My brother is not like. There's nothing fine. Drummers, no brothers. So, so that's kind of how we left it. And then I remember him uh, contacting me again, and he gave me a cassette of some of the stuff that you guys were working on. It was really, really, really good. Yeah, so so I started getting kind of excited about it. And then I think he. I, he Danny would have to tell the real story, but I think something happened with Eric where Eric was leaving the group. Yeah, he decided to go to Citizens, and so we, we needed to make a decision, and Danny really was an advocate for you and said, like, no, just have him come to the practice. He's a really good drummer, and you you know, and I was like, okay, I mean, I don't know you. I was like, yeah, I had yeah. a reaction, but yeah. I was like, I'm not, and, you know, I have faith that somebody <laughs> thinks somebody good. And so here's my thing, is that I, I did have that reaction of, like, I can you know, like just yeah. pretty boy like thing, but and I also you, think you had gotten Fia at this point too because I can't remember if Fia was in the. Because then did Mary Ellen like leave Danny like Craig calls Maybe. like wasn't she Craig calling oh, Danny I like I got your she? bird? Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's how she ended up out of the group, right? Well, the first first. So she she would get drunk and Craig call Danny. I got your. Danny bird. told me these stories. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> she would Craig call Danny. Yeah, Danny, was, Danny was a apartment manager. You know, you know, if you don't have a name for your podcast, it I got your bird. I got your bird. No, my, no, I'm going to segue into I Got Your Mom's Head in This Here Bag. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be the name of our goodness EP. It was, okay, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, that was good. But I remember when, yeah, the first incarnation of goodness was sort of this hodgepodge of people. Yeah. And I think Mary Ellen was freaking people out. And <laughs> she was friends with all of like the fastbacks. And Lock, they yeah. were all very made fun of her for being in the band. Of course, yeah, she couldn't handle it. They yeah. would come and throw things at her, and it was just weird. Yeah. It was like, okay, you've got to go. Eric wants to go. It's like <laughs> we had to go iterations. You're a purging. But, 
My big thing is, my learning lesson was, when Chris showed up to play, you gotta remember, in Hammerbox, Dave drove everyone crazy. So when we would practice, I literally had a pole between him and I, so I didn't have to look at him. Yeah. Like, I didn't look at the drummer. I mean, yeah. if I could avoid Dave, I would. Bless his heart, and I'm sorry if you're hearing this. But he won't, it's okay. Uh, he probably won't. Um, but I literally, we would avoid him. When Chris came to try out, do you remember this? He was literally like, like staring at me. And my first reaction was, what the fuck are you looking at? Like, <laughs> that's like the shadow and warrior where we'd all look at each other. I know, no. He smelled our thing. What I'm saying is he schooled like me. It. No, no, but it was, I, I knew right away that I was being schooled and I respected it. I was like, oh, because I... You know, I was immature. I've never been in bands. I would say yeah. throughout our whole conversation, as you guys talk about playing since you were kids, I would sing alone to Barbara Streisand in a room, you know, <laughs> but never tell yeah. anyone that I did that. Like, I was not yeah. supported, nor would my family know what the hell to do That's with that. That's really, really funny. A, while, a world of difference. But when, so Goodness was my second band ever. And so when Chris got in the room, he, you know, he's <laughs> just staring at me the whole mm -hmm. time. And I didn't understand why. I was like, why are you fucking looking at me? And I finally asked you, I'm like, what are you looking at? And he goes, I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. That's how you do it. <laughs> and I literally broke the ice. I was like, oh my God, you're a real musician and you care. And I instantly loved Chris Frail. And I was by like, the way, singers my ass. are kind of important. <laughs> Well, thank you. Not in the first band I was in, yeah, you know. Yeah, the, the singer is, is sort of in charge. Yeah. In some ways. Not in the first band I was in. I do remember a uh, funny thing about that rehearsal is that I remember when I went to leave, I, gave, I went around and gave everybody a huge hug. Yes. And I remember everybody, like, it was like frozen caveman. A couple people, it was like, they were not ready for the hug. They don't know affection. They weren't ready for the real hug. It's a broken group of people. It's a very, <laughs> insecure, like, yeah, very insecure, don't mm -hmm. fucking touch me. Yes. I've been hurt a lot. Like, yeah. But eventually yeah. they do come around and start hugging, which is nice. Well, the whole point of like the name of goodness was like, I remember writing in a journal, like what's, and I, I wanted that band to embody um, something positive. Absolutely. Yeah. As, you know, ricochet off of the past. And so... Hence the name goodness, but um, but I also think uh, you know getting back to my other story about the eagles and the headache. I mean, I think that <laughs> some, people, some people get a headache from listening to the eagles. Yeah, it's true. Some people hate the eagles. Chris has a headache. But, but I I truly believe that you know the great bands like every great band is like a jigsaw puzzle band, and I think that with that band, you know, the, the missing pieces were Fia and myself. I think when when we came in there. It, all of a sudden, it would just made it the super band, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And like when I saw you guys before, it just was like it was good. Yeah. But I feel like when we we came in, it was like everything locked into place with the drums and then with Fia's amazing harmonies and mm -hmm. bass playing and it and that's how I felt like when I came to play with you guys. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, these songs are awesome. And the biggest thing about it was it was so original. Like the music was so, to me, you know, it just sounded so unique. I remember like. Telling some of the, I was also playing with Give at that time, and I was trying to explain. Well, that's right. It. Chris and I had a band. Yeah, that's yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I was also trying. I was trying to explain it to Michael Foster, our guitar player, like what it was like, and I was like, you know, I can't really explain it because some of the influences that were in that group were just not of my world. Right. You know, that I wasn't familiar with, so I couldn't right. say at that time like right. you know, now when I hear now like there's things in there like you know the Breeders and the Pixies and mm -hmm. and obviously Danny's. 
classic rock yeah. in 80s influences and things but at that time I was just sort of like I don't really know what, right. what I could really pinpoint it you know like and I think that was the great thing about that band was that it was a little bit of a you know I guess a blessing and a curse it was a hard thing for the record companies to pigeonhole and, right where are we going to put this band where are we going to put this group you know well anything that is not a straight ahead hit yes is difficult yeah. like the Pixies yeah. would be difficult you yeah. know or, or, or Smashing Pumpkins I'm sure at some point unless they had a hit so, you know they they're they are not straight ahead I mean they yeah. had a smash and, I, and I say this being totally appreciative of ever having a record contract because so many people never have mm-hmm. and there's so many people now that will never have them because record right. companies are disappearing but I think you also have to think of it in the timeline of our group and and I think at the time that we got around to like our second deal I think the labels just were getting so lazy and I just don't think yeah. they at that time I mean I think like when we were on Atlantic I think that we were on a great machine and I think For they sure. had some good ideas and things and, and stuff like that but by the time we got to Epic I just think that they were just sort of like I don't know anymore. Like they just didn't <laughs> well, know. They just didn't even, know what to do with a rock group. They didn't know. And even, then, then you add in a you know the female singer and, and they just yeah like, yeah what, yeah what radio station we put all you they know no how idea. to do is to pull me out and make some sort of you know solo yeah. female thing, which is what Atlantic wanted to do. Yeah. Um, well, I also too I think it, with with us like there was with the second record like there was a, a lot of female singers that were on like the mountain type stations mm-hmm. or triple A whatever that was at that time. So. I think that they were trying to put us on that, like yeah. with, you know, uh, Joan Osborne or things that were happening at that time where we she were never going to fly on that Right, station. right, right. So it was like, they, that's what I mean, they were just lazy. Well, I look know? at like, Jay, so, so Lava has Jesse J, right? And yeah. I go, that's what they wanted me to be. You know what I mean? Like, there's these females with bold, big ass yeah, so voices could, now. Yeah, could be Jewel. So, no, you know. no, it's big enough where it's like, I'm not quite Alanis Morissette, could have been that, you know, whatever, but there's women with big voices now all yes. over the place, like Adele or anybody where it's like, if I could pluck you out and do that, that's what we think we need to do because we don't know what to do with your band. Yes. We don't know what to do with that. You're better than all those though. Thank you, sweetie. Absolutely. You are. Absolutely. <laughs> and you, and if you, you could make something that would blow everybody out of the water, your next thing that you make, whatever it is. Well, what I like about right now is that it doesn't, none of none of the outside matters anymore. Like, I can have a website, I can do a podcast and a blog, I can yeah. record, and I have a home. But it still comes down to the songs. Well, and I can write songs. That's what I mean. It, it, so I you, don't have to. Your next record could be just blow everybody's minds. Could be. I, I, I don't have to answer to yeah. anyone anymore, so I can have my artistic vision without, without the moment of somebody really messing with it or stopping me, which is great. It's nice to have control because I think the biggest tragedy would be how hard we worked on everything, only to have someone like throw it away. Well, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I think I think all of all of you guys in goodness, from speaking as the sixth member of goodness, you that, really are. Is that I think all of you guys kind of have like PTSD from. All your experiences, sure. and I, yeah. I, I mean this to be honest. I think you guys went through a lot as a band, and I was in the room when you were told a lot of lies, <laughs> and I was there when they were saying, "Okay, Danny and Carrie are the key members," or that I was there when yeah. you told me this guy just pulled me aside and told me we just care about you, we want to get you a Grammy, and you guys were pulled apart in so many ways. The minute you were on a major label, it, it's really what you guys have gone through is almost like going through the war. You know, oh, I, yeah. and I, 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 from being in a band with Danny for a couple of years, I could see that where he's just now kind of like the turtle putting his head out of the shell, just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. uh, is it okay that mm-hmm. I do some music and I stand on my own? I mean, you guys have been through a lot, and yeah. I, I, I yeah. think that you guys are all not that you're all still making music, you're, you're survivors, but 
what she went through was really tough, and I think it takes almost a lifetime to emerge from that. And I also think with us, I mean, it was not always perfect, but I think the five of us handled it fairly well. There wasn't a lot of, you know, screaming matches and things like that. I mean, there were that they were there, but I think that we had a nice way that the five of us sort of handled it. I think we very quickly were conscious of like if yeah. we had a reaction to something that we're like that oh that's too much or hold I mean we worked hard yeah at yeah. being good as a family yeah you we were the really most hard. band meetingest band ever you guys would have <laughs> so many band meetings like like oh Rick get out of the band for a second yes. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> you know and I just decided to like the knock from Chris okay you know but you guys would have so get many, out or we'd be at a club and then you guys would all go huddle in a booth and okay you, and I have to wait over there like you guys would have band meetings literally almost every day just to kind of work through your stuff which is great that's probably how you survive but I mean there was that time period where. Uh, when uh, you know when we're on Epic where we literally literally were running out of gas we'd be doing shows yeah. and then we'd be driving and we'd have to pull over and our manager was, who was traveling at that time Dan DeVita he would have to make phone calls where it's like we are literally going to run out of gas if you mm-hmm. don't get us some money or if you oh, don't yeah. need some support yeah. you know there yeah, was just so many times where like yeah. um, you know I remember being in New Jersey Dan's like I don't know if we can leave this yeah, hotel I, I think that right. it just kept right. thinking that the, the van was going to stop it's like <laughs> right. it's eventually it's going <laughs> right. to stop you know like well, that, not gonna that takes a toll on people and so then the individuals yeah. start having their own yes. growth periods and their yes. own fall downs and so mm-hmm. that's hard that's hard to keep that whole shit you're not the cocoon of Seattle anymore just like when we were in LA you're not in that little safety net No. where you're suddenly out and you're stuck in the middle of New Jersey and you don't know if we can get gas or food exactly. or anything to get to the next show. <laughs> Somebody's barfing and Ellen has pneumonia and we're in St. Petersburg, <laughs> yeah. Florida. Like, I no, don't no. know. Where's the oh, hospital? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and everybody then, and you got to think what we were in our late 20s. Yeah. And so PB, that's a growth period for it people. Is. And so people are either like, getting their shit together or falling apart. And mm-hmm. so when you've got, you know. And that's why I use that term heartbreaking because I think that you know, you've got so much of your self invested in that, mm-hmm. in that, you know, that band that you're in that time. It could be any band, but the, the band that we were in at that time. And then you've also kind of got, um, you know, your career in mind. It's like you're mm-hmm. trying to hit that home run so you can sort of like, you know, if I just get over this hump, then, you know, it'll, you know, this will give me this career that I want to sustain, you know, yeah. my life for a couple more years, you know. Let me ask you guys something bold here. Like, so this is a, a chunk of neuroses of mine, and I'd love to toss it out here. So, like you said, Rick, at some point, Jason Flom pulled me into a van and said, yeah. We don't give a, He literally said, We don't give two shits about your band. Right. We're ready to do a record with you tomorrow. You told me you, so, you were so upset about that. You pulled me aside and told me, You're like, I can't believe, you know. I'll be honest here, though. When he said it, my heart kind of soared, and I was like, because I'm such a loner. Well, sure. Yeah. At the time, I'm very much a loner, mm-hmm. and I intu- intuitive, and I was like, my heart said, yes, let's get out of here. I want to go to yeah. New York. Yeah. Yeah. But he then proceeded down the street to disparage, <laughs> in an awful way, each and every one of my band members, yeah. and I was yeah. like, one, that's so unnecessary. Yeah. Two, I was like, bad form, fucker. Yeah. Yeah. Three, I was like, if you're willing to do my thought, and my final thought, which kind of finished it, was like. If you're willing to say that about them, what are you going to say about me when right. I quote unquote fail right. or don't sell records? Right. Yeah. And I just, I decided, and and then we all, oh, it gets better. I go down to a bar and see a band with him and then we come back and go to dinner with the rest of goodness. Mm-hmm. And I have to walk into the room knowing what mm-hmm. he said about everybody. Yeah. And I remember we even had a band meeting and everyone, you guys all said, they're like, Carrie, they want you, not us. 
And it was so hard for me. I'm very Libra. I'm very... Yeah. I also like family. Mm-hmm. And for good or bad, I want the altruistic, like, I want it to work. I want to beat them. And so I didn't take him up on that. And sometimes I will say I regret it. And yeah. I, yeah. And I, and yeah. I want to know. My Absolutely. question is, do you think I made a mistake? Or my mom would say, you don't know what would have happened to you and you weren't ready. I'm a big believer in everything you do leads to where you are now. And I think mm-hmm. if you did one thing different, that's why I don't have any regrets about my life because it led me to my wife, Anna. So everything I did led me to that moment of meeting her and seeing her in line at the flight to Mars show, walking in with Chris, you know, helping him with his drums, like usual. So I'm a big believer that everything led you to where you are now. So then you have to ask like, well, am I happy with where I am now, today, on this Sunday? Right. And I am. But then you have to ask yourself that. Yeah. Because if you had done something different, you wouldn't have met your husband and had Orion. There's stuff that you never would have. So you have to figure that out. That would that be worth it and not have what you have now? And for me, everything I did, all twisted turns and wishing I'd stayed in L.A. with Shadow and wishing Chris and I kept doing Shadow and being very upset that I, my friendship with Mike fell apart and because he was a great friend and losing Danny for a while and, you know, Chris and me just sticking together and all this crazy music and trying to make it and then realizing it's not about making it, it's about something else. And But all that led me to meeting Anna. And to me, that's the best thing ever happened is meeting my wife. It far supersedes anything else in my right. life. So I don't have any regrets because it led me to that. I love that. Chris, what do you think? Well, I'll go back to the initial story. I mean, it's just such a, it's such a kind of a, you think about the way that he presented that situation to you. I mean, he he's the one that probably made the mistake because the way that he presented it, if he just would have said to you like, hey, you're super talented, which you are. You're creative, which you are. I am a superstar A&R guy, which he was. Absolutely. Let's do a record together. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can still do goodness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Those guys are cool. <laughs> Even though in his mind he's going, they're a fucking bunch of jokers. But he should have, you know, it's the way that he presented it was so right. shitty and also... It was very cutthroat. You know, and, and you and I have talked about this over the years and I have, you know, I respect Jason Plum. I think he's a successful person and a lot of the things that he said to the band, you know, now years later I totally get it. It was just the fucking way that he did it. It was so <laughs> disrespectful and so... Um, demeaning to our own dreams and the things that we had accomplished to that point which wasn't that easy you know the things that we had done so i understand what he was trying to do it was just the way that he presented it you know but to getting to the broader picture i you know because i love you so much and i think you're a mega talent i wish you could have made that record and it could have been a platinum selling record but you also have to remember there was about forty thousand people it doesn't matter if they're male <laughs> right. female drummers bass players that made records that weren't that successful now there are some that did and then there's some people that had you know uh you know many successes like um you know i always think of uh, at that time there was all these different girl singers and actually just, just charles e fibbers yeah and that you know like that that was that era of um the girl singer thing i think alanis morissette was you know waving the flag for we can all Keanu do it Apple, but it's oh, like yeah. there's mm-hmm. really only one Alanis there's really only one Jewel right. and, and just like you you're a, you are you you don't sound like anybody else now that but that gets to you know Rick's point I, I believe what he's saying too I think it's sort of like that butterfly effect you know you move I truly believe in that you move something like if I could change things about my life it I would never 
be where I am now. Right. You know, so I don't have any regrets. I mean, there are things that I wish I could, you know, there's like a couple things and, you know, if I could do this more, you know, I kind of wish that I could tour more. I wish there are things, but those are in the present tense. Right. You know, I wish there's things that I, with my musical talent that I have, I wish I could utilize it more. Mm-hmm. But I'm also realistic in the sense that, that it's just, uh, it, for me to do that would be a life that would not be uh, very great for, you know, myself and also for my family and, you know. Right. You know, I, I, I don't know if I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be that guy that's sort of like not bringing in any money because I'm waiting to get the tour or I'm going to play, <laughs> yeah. you know, the shit tavern for $4 on a Wednesday. I'll give you an example, like yeah. um, AJ Perrow from Truth and Sister just died. And um, then I first heard that's oh, too bad he died. And then I heard that he died on a tour bus. Mm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's no way to go. Yeah. Now, let me explain. Rick, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I'd be like, that's totally cool. Yeah. And Rick now, from meeting Anna and having our life together, living together and getting married and owning a house, I go, oh, that's terrible. That's no way to go. So that's interesting you bring that up. So I've evolved. Yeah, that, that's the one thing I want to add to yeah. what I was saying. When you're in it, you don't really see it, and you're right. just and, and and for you, it's like you're in this just like right. everybody else. You're just doing the best you can yes. for that version of your life <laughs> and all the influences around yeah. you. And yeah. and when you're in a band, you're sort of like doing the best you can, also because you love these other people. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, right at that time. So you're trying to do the best you can. So you don't really see it and. Your decisions are sort of made at that time, whereas like, you know, you step away from you it. You step away from it now, and you get some hindsight, you know. Right. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I think of. I'm because I obviously talked to both of you a lot about yeah. it. I've talked, you know, just yeah. th- I've obviously thought about it and mold around. But my thought is a lot, a lot along the lines of what Rick feels is that um, two things. Had I, uh, I knew a long time ago that I am not do not want to wake up in a motel room at 50 alone because I'm chasing music yeah. like I, I can't do that and you like, would have, and you'd be alone and you wouldn't have marriage mm-hmm. you wouldn't have kids yeah I sacrifice all that yeah for the career so you can play Topeka music music too, isn't though. my family my lover like that it's not my I, there's some people who are like this is my I this is what I do maybe Willie Nelson I don't know yeah, like, yeah. this is my family choices. this is my life but I knew way back then I was like I will not be able to sustain that. I will not be able to survive mm-hmm. being alone in a hotel room with no family, no whatever. I, so I kind of knew that back then. And and secondly, I totally agree with Rick. Like, I wouldn't give up Orion or Marty or this conversation right now. For anything. For any of that. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other thing that you got to remember, and I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way, is that in a way, I mean, you kind of did make that record. I mean, you when you left Goodness and you made your first solo record, yeah. which is an amazing record... You kind of made that record. Did you know I tell I mean? you what Jason Flom said about that invitation? No. Jason goes, yeah, I don't think that's up to snuff. I mean, like, that's the record I would have made <laughs> for Lenny. That's literally what he said. I know, it was so hurtful. That's right, though. Is <laughs> I never thought about that. That is the record you would have made. I would have wanted to make. Records. Yeah. That's not the record they would have wanted no, to make with they, me. But I'm they just saying. It in no, they would have got me a writing group. Like those were the songs, though. Yeah. So you got to think about that. Well, I, I think I thought about that a long time ago in Hammerbox when I thought about like you're writing alternative music. Like, is that who you are? Is that because you're gonna have to un- kind of in a rebel way like stick to that? Mm-hmm. But we're all not, none of us are one thing though. Like, 
you know, Chris and I come out of hard rock and heavy metal, but like he said, he was listening to the Eagles. You but know, and, and we, we're yeah. the point I'm trying to make is that none of us are one thing. We're not. No. We're not. We're a kaleidoscope. We're not just one kind of music. But I did know that I was going to want to write the music from my heart, not yeah. something that's sold. Yeah. You know, yes. and I tend to be a new wave baby, more of a um, yeah. singer songwriter kind of thing. Or with or if I'm with a band, like I love to um, hear music and then write to it. But I knew that I really enjoyed writing the music they were creating, not like, is this music going to sell, you know? Right. And no, kudos to everybody who has music that sells that I like. Yeah. But I just, a long it's time a ago, committed. Yeah, I'm like well, committed. Also, you got to remember, regrets are kind of tricky. I mean, if, you, yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you are in a situation, you're looking at it, and you can learn from it, it's a positive. But I think regrets can be kind of poisonous, and they can kind of eat at you. So is the past. Because oh, yeah. the truth yeah. is... Oh. That you, you one you can't do anything about, it. and two, there's there's nothing really that is going to come from it. So you might as well you know be in the present. You know, I mean, if you if, if, if you look at it and you've had a bad, we're about situation. to go into another hour. If we start talking about <laughs> the power of now. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest though, because yeah. um, I I love my life so much. I'll, I'll tear up a little bit. But I, I know I you love, do. I love my life so much that it's almost like even when we do like Shadow or the Rockfords, it's like I don't you know. I don't want to go back. I want. I want to just. You know. I want to be in the present. You know. I want yeah, to just. Right. It's almost like it's like a briar patch or like, you know. And everybody's like, when do the rockers do some more music? When Shadow play some more? Like, I don't. You know. That was enough. That. I mean, I don't want to do any more. But I don't want to get caught up in that of like right. looking backwards because there's nothing there. It's, you know, all I have is right. here today. You know, and that's, See, that's and all yours, I want. For me, my reaction is different. Like, I don't. I don't do those because I think of it like as a situation that worth commercially, like I'm going to make some money. Right. I like to do those two projects because it's a chance for me to be around all my favorite right. people. Uh, well, know. doing the rock person yeah. to me was so good for my soul. It was so it good was to amazing. see you guys. Yeah. It was good to be immersed in music. It was good to have the conversations. And that's kind of part of why I like doing music. I just want to get in yeah. there and just do. Going well, and also there's another, I, side, I agree. I agree there's that, another yeah. side with that rock person thing too is being that we didn't have the chance to never play did, that many no. shows is that I think that that record has been around now for a long time and people have gotten to know it and love it so I think it's actually very uh, emotional to sort of play those songs and see people singing along and know that because we all believed in that music so much and oh, yeah. that, that band was truly like a democracy where everybody was Absolutely. putting stuff mm -hmm. in that um, I think it's a, you know it's just it's such an amazing thing to be able to play those songs right. you know and because they're so good and also yeah. I think, okay. I, think yeah. I love I love those songs so much and there's things that you associate with things not working out in the past that you really have to go okay it's music from the past but now we're all in the present and we're all different people right. yeah, and it's and, making and, people so happy and we're just but I mean the five people in the band yeah true like we're not where we were in the past where there might have been egos when or someone said it was 13 years ago I was like what yeah I know <laughs> we all did the music for the right and reason that's true I didn't I, you say that too I mean I didn't I Never thought I didn't think way. it was that long. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, that's because the, the time is like elastic. It's like, yeah, it's really weird to think about. It's like, was that really 13 years ago or was it just the other day? It feels like just the other day, but it's exactly. also a, a testament to the three of us who do a lot of things that are creative. So it's sort of like it's not like we just did the Rockfords and then we sat around and didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, that was like the last thing you did. Oh, I know, I know. Then you'd be like, fuck, I think it's been 13 years and I two know. days. I know, right? Exactly. You know, that we, you know, after that, we all of us went and did different things. So it's sort of like, you know, you 
you stay busy. Right. You keep creating because you're a creative person. It doesn't matter if you're a musician or a painter or a sculptor. That's what you like to do. You so have, you have to. It is yeah. so much a part of who yeah. you are. Well, I would love some advice. I mean, I'm, I feel like this year is, and I'm going to do a preface on this podcast that I'm like, you need to just drink some wine. It's going to be three hours long. Shut it. Listen, but yeah. anyway, it's all listen. But I love that. I don't mind that at all. Or drink some um, coffee. Or drink some coffee, whatever yeah. you need. Yeah. Yeah. But um, two things I'm really um, working hard at, and or well, three topics we can all talk okay. about. Could go on forever. Um, not not yeah. the same, but. Um, uh, no, one, we've here. all had massive things here, here. happen. No, I'm not drinking. This is the this is the wine break. Up, okay. For those listening, a little sore in his lip will clear up. It's yeah, fine. fine. <laughs> I don't have that anymore. No. For those listening, this is really long, and, and, and I, I know you committed people are into it. But so three things I wanted to touch on as well, and I realize this could go on a while. But um, we've also had massive things happen in our life, like a passing of a parent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two, it we're in our forties, and so it's I, I'm reading a ton about. It, and I'm reading this book by. Are you sure, Rick's in his forties. He's well, forever, like he's forever twenty-one. He's creeping closer. <laughs> I feel I feel young at heart, but you're not I'm fifty yet. Yeah, you're okay, well, you're, you're not. So I don't not feel, today. No, I don't not feel, today. I feel younger. Honey, you're forever like. 21. I feel younger than ever. I feel older. Well, yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> well, I, play, I played like forty-five songs last night. Well, the thing is, too, like <laughs> exactly playing yeah. with Danny Newcomb. Like I remember when I we first became friends. I had a paper out with him. And he, oh my he was, God, he was, so he was, long he ago. He was following me on paper route like in 77, and, and he's like, man, I can't wait till I get old. So he's so <gasps> he great. He said that? I've been gray hair and I'm like, all this stuff, and I'm like, what are you talking about? This is the best time in our life. And now he is old, and he has no hair, and he wears a hat, and he... He, he has he, some he, hair. He, but the point I'm trying to make is that he's where he wanted to be the whole time. He's, he's an older soul in his heart, and though. He's very, like, he's very much he's, an old the, man in his heart. What I'm trying to make is that... Getting back to your possible record, Atlantic, it doesn't matter because now no. you're where yeah. you want to be, and I'm where I want to be. I'm assuming Chris is where he wants to be, but yeah. I, I know I am. But you brought up something that I want to bring up is that I'm reading a lot about, um, it, due to the passing of my mother um, uh, two years ago, this coming May 13th, is reading about being present, and that the present is the only thing that matters, and yes. the past and the future are just... Takes work. not real. Yeah, it takes work. Like so, some pain, really like if anybody ever is grieving, some Pema Chodron is great to great to read. Her passing was very. The whole weekend was uncanny. I mean, I spent the weekend with you guys. I remember. I saw you guys on Friday. Yeah. I went. And to I the, saw you on Sunday because right. you played your solo show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I went to the bookstore and I actually <laughs> bought three Pema Chodron books because of my friend Barbara Mitchell. Um, she's like, oh, you should get these. They're amazing. Thank God, because those really saved me um well it's funny that you say that because i remember coming to see you at that show and uh we uh, we hadn't talked that much but even at that show that you did i think you played with jared or something yes yeah your show was so honest and so brutal that i was like i even i who knows you so well was not prepared Oh really? Don't you remember uh-huh. you were crying? Chris oh gets, yeah. Chris and you were come talking. Those are but my no, shows but, now. But no, no, I'm not. This is he not. He does a, get uncomfortable. This is. <laughs> you do. You this know is it. Not He's a, trying to be all like cool, but I know you were like just crying. Well, I was your skin, like, I, I'm not uncomfortable. But no, Chris but, wants but, to go high. But I'm saying to you that like I, I feel like it was almost like part of this journey that you were in. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I, I yeah, was it is. Seeing you in it. And that's why it was such a... I remember you called me right after you'd heard about your mom. And it was such like a, a bridge from, you know, it was, I had just seen you 
letting all this stuff out. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, there's going to be so much more now. No, I don't think I felt that no. way. No, I just, I, it was, uh, it was, like I said, it was just such an emotional experience watching you play. Well, you know? going uh, going to Minneapolis for three years was to escape Seattle and to yeah. sort a lot of my past yeah. out. And, you know, I think I talked to both of you guys in between mm-hmm. then and just we saying, did. like, I'm here to sort my shit out. Yeah. I've got a lot of, you know, resentment and anger and, or just me just my stuff mm-hmm. but I needed to go somewhere where I had felt like in the last year before Minneapolis people kept talking about me like I was in the past yeah like oh I remember yeah. when you did that thing at Rock Candy I remember that I'm like you know I'm not dead <laughs> you know, I'm like yeah. I'm not done remember all that good stuff you used yeah. to do well and I was a new mom and I felt overweight yeah. and I just felt tired and lost and broke and like yeah and just all of a sudden everyone was like remember when and I was like fuck you <laughs> No, I think you made a good choice. I mean, I think change, you know... I needed that. Sometimes you need little change, and sometimes you need something enormous like you did, where you just moved away. I need big change. I like big change. For me, it's very good. Again, being very loner-ish, it's like... I am like, I. if I could have gone to the desert, I would have done that, you know? like. Yeah. And again, I mean, when you're in it, you don't really see it. But now that you've... You know, you've done this, then you kind of see it. At the time, you just feel like you're making these choices, mm-hmm. and and you have to make choices. You can't just sit on your right. hands. And I like change. You know? I yeah. get giddy about change. Absolutely. I get very like radical about like yes. sell everything and leave. You know, yeah. like and I actually would have felt like I hadn't done that soon enough, really. If I as I work on it now, but a lot of what I talk about now is like the being present. And I'm reading this book by uh, Sue Monk Kidd who wrote The Secret Life of Bees and she has this book on midlife that is the best book that I've ever read about midlife and every chapter speaks to me. She's pretty committed Christian but I don't that doesn't really matter to me and there's a lot of religions say the same thing. Yeah. She doesn't get on a bandwagon she's very I like how she speaks about it. Yeah. But every chapter has been like it. I've never seen it written exactly how I feel about how there is a point in your life where you may need to separate from the group and that's hard and I have definitely felt that in Seattle where this is just my path I love everybody but I kind of gotta go and and it's an I don't know how to explain it but it but it makes you feel lonely yeah and if you don't do it you, you it's you know and intuitively it's what you need to do even if it's hard so being back here it's like glad to be back loving all the relationships really appreciating them but still understanding like i have a personal path that isn't gonna like that i struggle with right yeah. it's like it's well, not it, i'm not gonna go out every night because i know that for me that doesn't work or i have something to answer in here that is about cocooning yeah and and sitting and waiting and being present and some of that is not solving but the the waiting has a solving in it right well, like a, i think of your wife anna and i i actually want to talk I asked her to be on the podcast, and she gave me this, like, ooh. Yeah. And I was like, I know, I know. I'm like, you can just come see. Maybe you come to her. <laughs> but She's I, not coming here. I know. I could do that. I but but, but I feel like she's true to herself in Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like, okay, going back to what you said, like, there is a collective of people here that I know, I've been with, you've been with forever, yes. and there's nothing harder than, than understanding that, like, I love all you guys, but what... I can't get him. You know what I mean? Like what I need to do is separate. Yeah. That's been really hard well, for me. Like I need to. I need to be alone to find my vision, and then I can join again. Or. Well, there's that thing where you, you. I think one of the things you're saying that is, is sometimes so hard to get out is that sometimes you have to make decisions that are for you, 
Or right. if you're a married person and you've got kids or, or whatever the situation is, you make decisions for you and your wife or you make decisions for your yeah. family sure. or whatever. So sometimes you make decisions that aren't about making everybody else in your life happy and sometimes those are not easy to make. No, but I get really you know, excited. I think that uh, you know. like with you moving, in a way it really was just a decision for you. Yeah. But being that you're a person that has made music for so long in this city that it was in a weird, in a weird way it was sort of like, the decision made about you and like a lot of these people that really like you and care about right. you so it was kind of like a big to do but in a way you were just sort of doing it for yourself which is what it should be but we all had an over under of how long you're being on though how long do you give her? Nice. Yeah, we all, all our friends would have bets on how long. It would or take. I would get people yes. come, you know, like they're. Like you were thinking about me. Like they all were like fancy or something. She must really hate that snow, don't you think? And I was like, I guess. I mean, in, in a way, they're kind of like, well, fuck you. I saw a picture of her rolling in it. She seemed happy. You know? <laughs> but you got to do for yourself and not explain yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I just I think there's and I think it ties into what you were saying before about you know did I make this right decision with the thing I mean with Atlanta, yeah, yeah. So you know that may have been a decision that you made where you're sort of like I'm thinking about myself but I'm also thinking about these other people and, yeah. and things like that so there's nothing wrong with making a decision that's the best thing for you at that time. Well, I think everybody you know? knows that I have a deep love for everybody. Yeah. That makes it harder to go. I need to sort my shit out, and that's just for me to answer. And how I function or behave or choose is my personal um, issue, right? Like, just how I choose to get up or not get up, you know? It's like, that's up to me. That's my responsibility. If you're lucky, I mean, you make, you know, in your life, you make decisions where most people enjoy them, but there's no way you're going to go through life without... It doesn't matter if everybody enjoys it. Well, I'm just saying, most of the... But the odds are sometimes you're going to do things for you that you need. Right. Well, the one thing I did learn, I feel like I've learned and I I live now, is that for the longest time, I, I I would never reach out for help. I would never call anybody. And when I was in Seattle, part of the problem was compounded became very obvious to me. I remember talking to my mom on the phone and saying, oh, I've... I was depressed. I'm like, I feel awful. And she's like, well, you know, I, I think I called her and said like, um, I was just kind of desperate. Like I was depressed, but I was not in the habit of asking for help. And I said, I can't think of anyone I would call. And she was like, you know, all these people. And I was like, I don't. And I realized I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to do that. Cause my assumption is no one's going to get what I feel. Yeah. Right, like a lot of depressed people do, right? Right, and so later when I was in Minneapolis, one leaving means you have conversations, reactions, and whatever. I'm like, oh my god, people love me, and oh, I can ask them. And if I just clarify what I need, like if I open my mouth and say, I'm really depressed, I need some help. (laughs) (laughs) People will rise to the occasion and have a conversation. Like I don't know what to do here. Like, and so that was revelatory. It was amazing. It's a removal of the mask. Everything, yeah, I everything. Loved it. When you get older, you you're able to let go of that image that you think you have. It doesn't really exist. So only you see that mask. Right. It's removing that mask and being able to go to a deeper level. Part of me wonders, and I would ask you guys this. So I am at this quandary right now where I really want to make music. I don't want to work alone at it like Danny in the house. Like I'm tired. Yeah. I work at a project management job in digital world. I'm exhausted. I have a kid. I love him. But I'm tired, and I'm like, but I want to make music. Like, when we were practicing, I was like, to have guitars, amazing guitar players blasting (laughs) in my ears, and you playing or whatever, I'm like, this is fucking 
heaven. Yeah. yeah that's and I was like, I want, I just want to bathe in this. Yeah. How do I get this really fast for like a dollar? <laughs> like, how do I just, then just do I just it. Want, well, that's part of this. Just do it. Don't, don't say I want, just do it. Well, that's why I want to just be like, I'm going to raise five grand. I'm going to get studio time. I just want to do it. I don't want to like. But prior to that, just organize some practices when you have time yeah. and have people come over and then you'll play. Simpler and cheaper. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Don't overthink it. But it's, it is you're about right. It is you're about right. you're overthinking what you need to say and do to right. raise money. You don't need to do any of that. Just have a practice. You're right. 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 A good collective yeah. people yeah, around that inspire you too. Yes. That's another part. People you like yeah. being around. Yeah. Well, and I don't. Sometimes and that's I think that situation. That's that. I mean, that's that. Again, getting back to there the Robert's thing. Spaces that that, that Robert's thing is like it's great. People, number one, hilarious, cool people, and people now that have these great experiences you can relate to, you know, people with kids and things like that. But it's also like, you know, in my opinion, like the best players. Yeah. So you've kind of got like this super team. But I have this fantasy know? though too, because yeah. there's a side of me again. I think different from what other people are doing. Like, I like Florence and the Machine. I like Bjork. I like digital. I like. Yeah. I like Martha Wainwright. Like, I want to get in with a group of people. I'm like, can you help me? find this vision and create it with me. You're yeah. putting up barriers that you don't Well, I'm, no, I mean, I mean, what I'm asking you is like, I want to do that. Can you guys do that with me? Like, you can people come you, with me? Like, You can't do that. You just gotta get together people. You're bringing those influences with you. They're bringing like Eric Clapton, another guy's bringing Van Halen, another guy's bringing the Foo Fighters. They're bringing all their influence together. Yeah. And then you do your music, but you're coming you're coming from Florence and all this. Bjork. Can I get them to do that? No, dude, no, it's not like that. Because mm. they have an equal say. So no. you, 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 know, <laughs> you bring it to it. Like if we did another Rockers record, you would bring all those crazy yes. influences in. Yeah. But Mike's going to mm. bring in the blues and I'm going to bring in Cheap Trick and Danny's going to bring classic rock and Chris is going to bring True. in his things. So I'm, I'm just saying that you're, you're putting barriers in front of yourself to keep you from doing anything. Well, no, I will say this about Solo. I don't want to do, I want to do what I want to do, right? Yeah, so fine. I'm glad everybody likes Van Halen and all that. I don't give two that's shits about fine, that. That's fine, but that's what they're, that, that, right. they're they, they can filter your vision through their influence. Okay. That's well, I'm that's saying. what I'm wondering, because part of me looks for like new people, like, I like Katie Kate, I like Eric yeah. Blood, I like, you know, I'm like, do I bring new people to say like, I just want to vet out this, can you understand what I want? I mean, that, that's you're, But you're going to have to say that through your original music. You're not yeah, covering Katie right. yeah. Kate. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. But you're, you, you're not covering those bands. So you're going to be putting your vision and saying, this is my original song, and you're coming with those influences, and they're going to bring their things in. You just I agree, gotta, yeah. You just got to do it and yeah. not talk about it. You're right. And overthink it and say, yeah. can you do this? If you say that, then they're out of here. No, you I get that. that. Part of that talking like a lot Those comes from being, like, tired and exhausted, so the time that I have. But I think what I need to learn how to do is just be like, okay, set up a date. Bring everybody. Yeah, Let's yeah. go. Get together and... And bring your song, and then they'll they'll yeah. help you fill it out. Like because like you, Kim does that. Like she'll she does these things, but she'll have two or three people in the house. Yeah. Like these songwriting sessions, and and maybe something comes from it. Sometimes oh, it doesn't. Yeah. And it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It doesn't. Right. You know, but at least you have kind of like this creative. But Kim's not. Kim's not going. You know, I like Emily Harris. Can you do it? Oh, that's you know. not what I mean. I know, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm being half serious. But it's still yeah. it's like. You, you just get together and start. That's how you sure. do it. Okay, good point. Good point. But I would say the Virgo side of me says, <laughs> get less people in the room. I would yeah. say, find somebody that, like, somebody totally brand new that's just like a spark plug that knows, like, what this guy does, yeah. knows how to work a computer, I knows know. how to run the Pro Tools, 
you know, or so you wear different opinions. Yeah, so I would get like, yeah, you know, get like, like one or two guys <laughs> together, or gals, girls, whoever. Yes, girls. Get, get them together, and you know, you know. Yeah. Make a collective of people yeah. where you can you throw out. Ideas, I gotta say, you know, so because I think what Rick's talking about is more like a band type situation. No, 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 no. I'm just yeah. saying starting. Just you're, start. You're, you're, yeah, don't. No, you're you're, you're, yeah. you're keeping yourself from actually doing it. Yeah. You are. You're, I get it. People put these barriers. It's like. I, people say to me, like, well, how'd you meet your wife? And, boy, I wish you could fall in love. And da 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 And they go, you know, I just got to get myself together first and, and figure myself out, and then I'll be ready to love somebody. Or I just got to, you know, really get right. something, place to live, and I got to get myself in, and then I'll be ready to love somebody. It's like, that's right. not how life works. You're right, yeah. That's not how anything works. It's like, it just happens. Right. Although I do, I do like fall in love with somebody that doesn't have their sh- that does have their shit. It's not, but that's right. not that's not how it works. <laughs> I don't want a bunch well, of I don't I want a bunch of pals that don't have their shit. No, we're like, we're very different thinking. <laughs> but what I mean, what I'm you're both saying is that like I, I, when I did like this side project, Esther King, right? We're gonna record in August. Like already put time on. It's, it's gonna be at Tad's place. Yeah, gonna do a Kickstarter. Really excited. But like the time that like. Eric and Daniel G. Harmon came over to my house. Eric brought a kit and and Daniel came over. We wrote like four songs. Like the beginning of at least three to four songs, like right there, and I loved it. It was just sort of like, like you said, you get the elements together yeah. where you vet it out, and I was like, bam, bam, well, bam. It was fun. One thing that you're not mentioning is where you're not giving yourself enough credit is you're, you're a fucking really creative person and really talented. So they're, they're, they're feeding off you. You know, it's like an energy source going around. So you got to remember what you, you're acting like. I'm just gonna come in and be all mousy. <laughs> I might, I might help do something. See what happens. Like, no. you're, you're fucking no, carry. You're, you're gonna bring your carry thing, and those guys are gonna be like, hell yeah, I'm playing my carry. You know what I say? It's sort of like you got to give yourself some credit on what you bring to the table. Yeah. It's like myself. Like when I when I go into a situation. You know, I know that I'm gonna bring my thing, right? And I'm gonna come right. in. It's like a prize fight. I'm right. in. I'm in to fucking win. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what the situation is, is it, whether it's a, a you know, a, a concert or a recording session or like a wedding. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it at my best ability. I'm not right. gonna sleep through it. Right. You know, because you, you gotta do that. You got. I'm you got to do it. I'm getting on you, Chris. <laughs> you gotta do it because. Yeah. You don't know when you're gonna do yeah. it again. That comes and from our training, being little kids. Do we? Totally. Yeah. Week. We were trained yeah. like fighters to have this that. thing and have this stamina, and from our parents yeah. saying, "Do your best all the time." So Chris and I still carry that with us. I'm assuming Mike and Danny do too. Yeah. I think maybe I didn't have it so much. I remember I told somebody this because this feels significant to me. When it came, I mean, this is after doing Hammerbox and goodness and started doing solo stuff. Yeah. When I would go home. And like sit down at the piano, and my mom and stepdad would show up to listen. It's the most terror. I would. I felt. I've never felt so vulnerable in my life. Yeah. Like it was terrifying. I understand that. No, it was terrifying, no. and I. I'm really digging into why that well, you was. Gotta figure that out. Because it was. Um, but I also think private. That's, that's it was whole, so private. That's a whole podcast. It is right a whole there. podcast. But I also yeah. don't think that's totally foreign. It's just the situation that we have is so different. It's yes, sort of like yeah. when, it's sort of like when we were growing. We got that everybody's parents were like our parents. But yeah, when we were growing <laughs> up, I mean, you kind of feel that way. And then also, now that I've gotten older, we you know you kind of realize there's not that many parents that's as many that stayed married. You know, we we, True. we yes. grew up in a family yes. where our folks stayed Their married. Whole life. You know, yes, you know we're, we're, we grew up in that time us, period where a lot of people were getting divorced. Our dad would you know? tell us he loved us every day. Right. Yeah. And I like friends go like, I never said that, or 
I can't believe it. What? You know. I'm a, and I'm not saying that I think that, you know, people should stay married. There's situations where you should okay, separate, sure. obviously, but but I think that I thought about we, that as we kind of, you know, you, you grow up, you kind of think this is situation normal. As I've gotten older, mm-hmm. I realized our situation was not so normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It but really but it's it normal for us. It's, yeah. I, it, it's what we knew. It's our home. Yeah. No, but I thought about that, about you guys. I was like, wow, you had parents that stayed together. Actually, this morning I was thinking that. I was like, your parents were the you know, yeah. parents that stayed together. And this gets together, together every day. And yeah. this gets into the thing that you're kind of, we keep, getting to this sort of hovering in the room is that, that you know the three of us have all gone through this incredible life-changing situation we've, we've lost a parent mm-hmm. and I when I say that I mean that 100% of people who listen to this or friends that I have have gone through this and my you know my wife's mom passed away and mm-hmm. it is fucking life-changing yeah when you lose a parent it is absolutely and there's yeah. no there's no rules for it there's no preparation no um, but you just got to get happens. on board and you deal with it. And the thing that I do miss so much about my dad is that thing, that comp, that <laughs> that little, I was, I, and I said this at his funeral, it's like he, he would just give you that plug-in of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would connect with him and he would, it didn't matter what he said or how he said or what we were mm-hmm. talking about. He, it was just that when I left that conversation, I just felt like, I, I'm on. hundred bucks. Yeah. Bucks. Yes. Yeah, he take on the world. Yes. He loves me. He's giving everything's me okay. Uh, you know, and I miss say the right you know, thing. And I miss it. There's so many times during the day where I wish I could call him and just he. I wish he oh would just. God. I wish he would just say something That's exactly so exactly what I thought. Fucking like today. funny. Yeah. I wish I just missed that. And I always te- I'll text Rick and say, God, I wish Dad would say something. Yeah, funny. we had he had the exactly so, saying the right you thing know. and also being so funny. Is it yeah. nice? We laughed guys... all the time. Yeah. Oh, your dad yeah. was so lovely. Be I felt like that. Remember, I felt like that they would say to me, and I know that they're charming people, but they're like, "You're like the daughter we never had." Absolutely. Which maybe they say that to Kim and Anna, but I was like, for me, I was like, I don't want to be in your family. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we were just we grew up with laughter. Our whole dinner table was super just loving. Laughing. Well, there's so many layers to it because it's sort of like you know, it's sort of like uh, you know, losing your dad, but it's also like losing one of your best friends mm-hmm. oh I know yeah, it so, I know so it like, so tell me you guys yeah. what do you do because um, when you said I wish I could talk to them that's exactly what was um, hitting me yeah. yesterday I was like my mom especially in the like last 15 years when I had Orion like she's the only person I want to talk to and I've never felt anything more profound and constant absolutely as this grief yeah. Like, I'll be going to work and be on the ferry and someone's talking to their mom and it's not like a grandiose thing, but all yeah. of a sudden I would feel this like pang where I go, I don't have that. Yeah. And in my family, who wasn't stayed together, I mean, I, I love my family, but we are not we are not close people. So when my mom passed, I really felt orphaned. I mean, my brother and I are closer. Mm-hmm. We're very different, but I know we love each other. Yeah. yeah. But there are often times when I, yesterday, was like, I need someone to talk to, and yeah. it's no one in my family. Yeah. And if left to their own devices, are, is this group of people that made up my family never going to speak again? <laughs> like, you know, because my mom was the center of the family, right? Yeah. So yeah. I had weird feelings of like, um, well, our dad was the same. He was kind of like the, the, the you know the point guard guy. Like you know, you'd have like a family gathering and it'd be kind of fun. And then when dad would get there, he that's when it was like it was on. It was, right, yeah, yeah. right. And he just would make every situation. He kind of so connected fun. everybody. So it's too. it's it's yeah. sort of like it's such a hard one to explain. And I know you can relate to this. It's not like life is worse or or, or I you know that you know you're sitting around with you know just moping, but. It's just different, and then what you do is you just you just got to get on board with it because it's just how life yeah. is. Well, I do. Say I my... miss him. Yes, you know, I, I, absolutely. 
but I'm also not unrealistic in the sense that, you know, I understand the situation. It's just part of life. Right. People pass away. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel full-hearted about that. Like, people yeah. pass, right? But yeah. There are some t- my mom only going into the second year, so there's a part of me, though, that imagines if she was here, I'm like, life would be better. Yes. I just would. Well, I feel the same way. If she, I, I, if she was here, yeah. I would feel better. Yes. Because she has such a great relationship with Orion. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but I feel like the, out of everything, I'm like, that's the injustice. I'm like, two of the best people I know yeah. are not going to be together. That makes no sense. And these are things I wasn't prepared for that I would have to explain my mother to my son yeah. if he doesn't remember later. Like, those are things that I was like, I did not see that coming. I don't... I'm my, I will probably live, whatever, 40 more years, <laughs> yeah. you know, 50. Yeah. And I'm going to live the age of myself without my mother. Like, I'm going to double yeah. my age without her. I'm going to have to talk to my, remind my son who she was for 40 fucking years. Yeah. Maybe. Ho- hopefully. Um, but, uh, but I do think, and I've talked to you guys about this, her passing though was so perfect and beautiful and great that those are the things where, in the, you're right, in the grander scheme, I know this is a part of life. This yeah. is a part of human And I feel the same way, uh, you know, about our dad is that the situation couldn't have been better you know he wasn't he was such a vibrant force that he was never going to be one of those guys that was you know going to sit around playing golf when he retired he was never right, right, retired. Right, right, right. he was never ever going to retire right, right. and he always made the right. joke that he was going to die at his desk and, yeah, that was and his vision. he he and, and he was also you know never ever going to be the guy that was in bed for years with some terrible illness no and I think for a guy that I knew growing up that had a profound fear of death, that when it when it came time and he faced it, he couldn't have. It was just like he was like, yeah, this is what happened, you know. And he was right there with it, and okay. he was in it, and mm-hmm. you know, and we all had the chance to be with him, and you know. Can I ask you guys? Were you there when he passed? No, I was there. You were the last person. I was there okay. about. Um, Four hours before he died. Okay. Yeah, and I was there right before that. And the last, it's interesting, the last thing that we did, I might get the name of this wrong, but we watched, he wasn't present really so much, but we watched, I think it's called Passing Strange. Mm-hmm. That play was on TV. Hmm. So every time I hear about that, I always oh, think... Oh, really? What is that? It's, uh, it's a, a play... Uh, Passing his Strange. His name is Stu. Name. You know, the Stu had that band. Yeah, the Negro Problem. Yeah. He wrote this play. And it's actually come to Seattle a couple times. So I'm like... I don't think I can go see it. <laughs> I, it I get that. I think it will I kill totally me. I can't look at those pictures or listen to anything on that show I played. Because I literally played that show that you went to. Like yeah. the, I went to that show, went to the alibi room, and got the phone call from my family saying she's had an aneurysm. you got to come right now. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can't. Yeah, that's like there's this West I can't go to the alibi room. I had like a co-worker say, let's go to the alibi room. I'm like, mm-hmm. There's a Wes Anderson movie that um, is about his dad passing and... Um, that you know, I love Wes Anderson. It's the one movie I haven't watched again right. yet because I'm like, I just don't know if that's just gonna fuck me. I get it. You I know, get it. I just don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you guys about that because again, it's like the other day I was like, I need to talk to somebody because I was trying to suss out how I was feeling. I was like, I need to talk to somebody who knows how I feel. So this is really nice. Well, he handled it beautifully. I mean, Chris is right. He just handled this his whole passing beautifully and. Yeah. He was in hospice, and he got to greet everybody. People got to come by me. Oh, my and God. I bet they loved he didn't, him. He didn't have a massive heart attack and died. He, had, you know, he basically was, yeah. his heart was giving out, but he was, everybody got to come by and visit him, and we went by and saw him every day. And and, and, I, and I say this. It sounds funny to say, and it's just 
macabre and weird, but the truth of the matter is, when we actually got to see him after he passed away, you, know, you could go look at him. Mm-hmm. He had a big fucking smile. smile. Did he really? And, 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 and we all started in. laughing. And I'm walking <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Rick said it, and my mom is like, does he smiling? <laughs> I think my mom said it. And then we <laughs> all, the three smiling. of us started giggling. I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, the three of us just started giggling. I love that. He was laying in this big blanket. He was laying blanket over me. He's like, Oh, and it had, like, when I was a little bit, like, it was like twinkling a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh it my was, God. And the three of us started giggling. Your dad was we were, winking with so a So we, we were so afraid to walk in and see the bottle, so we just, we just started giggling. It was perfect for it. our family because that's all we did. Was well, yeah, that whole situation, I mean, for anybody that's dealt with that kind of stuff, it was such yeah. a strange. Oh, I had my uh, hand yeah. under my mom and on her chest when she passed. Yeah. I took her last breath, and it was wild to watch her body. And I noticed that, like, um, when she had an aneurysm, what's interesting is that like they t- we took her off life support. She would never want that. Yeah. So, but your lungs and your your brain keeps your lungs going. Yeah. For maybe a day, a week, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when it stops, you know, stops circulation, and everything. Mm-hmm. So you watch the, kind of the body get like I, I don't know why I focused on her ear. Her ear got really red, right? Mm-hmm. And then when she passed, it was like I knew the minute I looked at her, I'm like, that's a carcass. It was just she was beige. I don't know, like it was. I know it's more of a compliment. But anyways, I just was like, oh, yeah, we're done. And I was able to be like, okay, yeah. that's a carcass. Loved her. You know, had a rose. We had like a, like you said, like her quilt. She was making yeah. quilts and pictures. <laughs> so, but but the, both of those scenarios are just wonderful ways to pass. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. I'm really grateful yes. for that. He had the perfect life. I think life. about those things, yeah. He started from nothing and became something. And yeah. affected everybody he knew and changed lives and yeah. was a great yeah. dad and a great husband and then he went out yeah. nice and peacefully and asleep with the TV on. I still have your dad's pin with the diamond on it. Diamond pin. I do. But I do have to admit, you know, that there's something about, you know, our dad was such a big positive person in this yeah. city and still is. And uh, But, you know, <clears throat> when you're going through the grieving process, there's nothing worse yeah. than, you know, you're just trying to get through the day and you know everywhere you go like people are grabbing your hand like oh, i want to talk to you about your dad no it's yeah, like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like, yeah you know i just want to eat oh it's gonna be hell for you <laughs> i just want to eat and work and get through tomorrow so i can get on it's board. amazing though because yeah. from, from and now, now i love it i mean now but i mean those first that first couple months it was just such a bastard to deal with i mean a lot of the, yeah. you know a lot of you know in my other world of my work world a lot of houses that I work in are these people that are were part of the auction world. Right, right. So I'd be just there, like, right. eight in the morning, just like, I just want to fucking paint and get, get out of here. And they're like, Chris, I need to talk right. to you. And it's like, please don't make me cry at work. I don't want to <laughs> cry at work. You know, it was just that thing, you know, like, I'm just trying to keep yeah, it together. Yes. So, I mean, but, it, but at the same time, it's so beautiful, the effect that, you know, our dad, and we also have to include our mom, who's amazing, the effect that they've had in this city. Yeah, yes, this, I was going to say. You know, to this day, there's nobody that'll be like them. I mean, they've created this incredible philanthropy thing that they that continues on, but they'll never ever be anybody. Well, so will both of you. Them. Yes. I, I think that's true. Like, I mean, yeah. your family is well known in the auction world, but when I said this, I was like, I literally have posted like the Freel Brothers. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you're your own band. Absolutely. You know, like you are the Freel Brothers. And most anybody who, I mean, they've been in the music scene is like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's the other side. I mean, I think we play music, but I think growing up with them, I think they've inspired us to be yeah. more giving, giving people, yeah. you know, and watching them give up so much of their time for free and, and things like that mm-hmm. to raise money, you know, yeah. Yeah. for this city. And yeah, most weekends we were by ourselves, Chris and I, and just 
order pizza and oh, I love that. hang out together because they'd be off doing auctions and stuff. Right. And I think when we were kids, like we, we didn't really even understand what they were doing. It took a long time for yes. me to really get the magnitude of the amount of money that they were raising in oh, the yeah. city. But yeah, they made it so fun. Like the next, the yeah. Sunday morning, my dad was sitting at the kitchen table and he would tell us the funniest stories about auctions. So, can you guys say like your t- what your parents did? So they're massive, uh, huge auction. My dad, Cher- Dick Friel, charity auction. And Sharon Friel, yeah. where they kind of started the auction cultures, yeah, yeah. of making it fun, like right. put the fun and fundraisers. They would, it wouldn't be serious. It would basically let's have fun, let's right. have models on stage, let's play music during the event, and have props and it. Make it theme nights or masquerade yeah. or superheroes or yeah. you know things like that. And they, would, my dad would just have fun and know everybody. And he was self-taught. He yeah. just started doing it. Most people go to auctioneer school in Montana, and they'll kind of come out the same. He's still Vegas. And yeah. I said, "I'm like, he just reminds me we should be part of the brat pack." He like, knew everybody in the room, and he would just make jokes. And well, the and true was, story of it is that they went to an auction, yes. and the auctioneer didn't show up. My dad's, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> and he just and my mom's like what? And he just got on stage. He's never done it before, and that's why his style was so unique. He didn't sound like you know your typical car cow call auctioneer guy. He they had all this, kind of sound yeah. very original yeah. style. I mean, and then I think over the years, obviously, he you know kind of fine tuned it and really became. But he fine tuned it over experience. Yeah. He didn't fine tune it to sound like anybody else. Yeah. Right, right. And that's like people liked him and they miss him is because he was so unique. Right. But the biggest thing is that they they came up with this thing called Raise the Paddle. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, they go to these auctions and it's an ex- expensive night out just paying for the ticket. So some people go to auctions and they don't bid on anything, anything. Sure. because they've spent so much money going. But they he came up with this idea knowing that it, people want to donate. So why not do this thing where, like, if you're here and you want to give $20, $50, 200 $2 million, right. two million, whatever it is, whatever level you're comfortable. So right. they would start a thing, and I think one of the last ones we went to, one of the last ones my dad ever did, we went to one. I can't remember exactly what it was for. I think it was Alzheimer's. cancer, cancer research or something. Yeah. But they said, "Is there anybody in this room would like to donate a million dollars?" And somebody did. Oh, the guys stood up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so exciting. That it was. Because I could see your dad just tossing that out, like I want to know tonight, like. And even the room would be silent; you could hear a pin drop because everybody's going. Well, that's the music. I love that though. I love that. Somebody would stand up very. I love that. That totally speaks to my sort of like, let's get to it. Like, well, the answer is, and and it's getting more so every day in Seattle. There's a lot of money in Seattle. There's a lot of people that want to be involved. They just don't know how. And I don't. And I think for some of those people, they don't want to do all the the work of putting on a concert or putting on an auction, but they do want to get dressed up and come. And yeah. what and feels better than yeah. to know that they gave, yeah. you know, $100,000 for cancer research, Alzheimer's, juvenile diabetes, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Well, Orion, uh, the, all the schools, you know, because yeah. just the school funding being an issue, like all yeah. the PTA programs, Orion's school just did their PTA and I offered to play a house show and it like went for four grand. It was crazy town. It was like, Okay. <laughs> but what Rick's saying is totally true. There's something about the way that they did it. And Rick worked them a lot, so he got to see. Yeah, well, I, see. I didn't go to That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. He, there's you know, something so about so the, way that, the way that they yeah. did it. They made it so fun to be a part yes, of Yes, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, now, like, I have some people say, like, you know, I go to the auctions, but it's, like, it's just not as funny. And, like, people would always laugh. Your dad got 100000 out of me. Like, the way that he did it, he made, yes. he made you feel like you wanted to give the money. Yep. 
Yeah. I can it totally wasn't like he that. was coming over and grabbed me by the collar. You better. He never me. jumped off stage. You got your yeah. face yeah. like a lot of auctioneers right. do. Yeah, like a lot of auctioneers now. They they run very aggressive. Crowd. It's really aggressive. <laughs> he had kind of this classy, like you said, Vegas. Yeah. You know, very he did. fun. He looked good. Humorous. Yeah. You know, it was super. I fun. I think both and of you. Yeah, and also getting back to Chris and I having stamina. Yeah. He had incredible stamina where he could do eighty items or more. Right. Non-stop. A lot of auctioneers, they start breaking out of sweat within five items. He could just do it. I mean, I'd be on stage going, how many more do we have? And he's just like, roll, roll. <laughs> so he had that incredible stamina. And the audience would fill out. they go, okay, well, let's keep going. And Right. Well, it's true. Like, now right. you go to a lot of events, they have three different auctioneers. To do what my dad by oh, himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I will be working on one on the third, right? For Mike Squires. It's not an auction, but it's a charity. Charity, yeah. right. So yeah. I can't wait to assist. He's going to make me get really tired. <laughs> yes, good. And I just did an auction last night and mm-hmm. for a school and did the race pal and I mentioned that my dad made it up and told the story right. and then the goal was 15000 and we hit 15000 within the first two sections of the race pal and I said, this is for you, Dad. I thought of it right away. Oh, and, that's nice. You know, and it's going, going, going and I think we raised about 25000 just in that yeah. one section. Their goal was 15000 So Your family has such a good legacy. I don't know. Just between Absolutely. all of you. Just everybody in your family absolutely it's, it's such a great it's just doing it and not talking about it again yeah. like I yeah. said with your music it's just it's just my dad would do it yes our dad would just do it he wouldn't he would say you know what then you guys should do it too he would just do it yeah that's great yeah. intuition though I think you guys all have great intuition um, and you're but that's also just you know, that's our experience I mean everybody you know has their family and you know everybody grieves for in different ways yeah. like you know you could lose yeah. a parent that did amazing things that they did in that world, you know. So it's like this is just the experience that sure. we had. Everybody has their own. But I think the common core things are like you said, when it happens and everybody wants to talk about it or how you feel or how you process. I think that's. I have found as I even get on Facebook or whatever, like mm-hmm. people are going through the same common things. And and frankly, what frightens me is I don't feel that old, but I'm I'm 48, I'll say, and I people are passing. Yes. I had a friend um, from Richland who just passed, and I was like, people are starting to pass. And I understand, that helps me understand I'm not the only one, I'm obviously not the only one in the world ever going through grief, but it's nice to connect with people to say, how are you doing? How's that going? But this is also why you have to enjoy yourself while you're here. Absolutely. You have to find something every day, whether it's like I was, look, I'll look at a flower or our dogs or my wife or the sky you just you have to find something within the day that's gonna go that's amazing that's wonderful yeah. and yeah, we'll really say, I mean, focus that's, on that. that's really i mean there's that's really there's not many positives that you draw from that situation but i will say it did it does make you really 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 value the the people that you love that are close to you. It kind of makes you adjust the things that you desire and, and and some of that stuff becomes sort of frivolous because you realize the important stuff is this connection you have with your wife or, mm-hmm. or you know your family or your mm-hmm. friends and and it's true when this when that stuff happens and it's so close to you it really does really put your mortality mm-hmm. in your face and you realize that this stuff is happening it's just a part of the life process mm-hmm. and stuff so it kind of it, it sort of shakes you to your soul and you know Kim's mom <clears throat> passed away a couple years before so I had kind of a front row seat right. to what that was all about and sort of the grieving process that she went to where you know you're kind of in a fog for like a year because you're sort of dealing with yourself but you're also dealing with you know the living parent and you're also dealing with other people that are around and you're sort of you're sort of uh on a, an adrenaline from it you're sort of yeah, shaking in a weird way yeah yeah so but what so what happens is like once that year is over then the reality kicks in and that's for me like that's when the sadness comes yeah. in 
because you're sort of like on a big yeah. adrenaline and there's all there's so many pieces to put together like with us we had to help our mom move out of the house and there were some things that like keep, and I was getting married at that time yeah Rick was getting married yeah, you know there's, there's so there's like there's all these little buttons that at keep the you same busy time. yeah yeah but once everything sort of falls down and you get back yes. into mundane you're like okay now I'm just here and he's gone I feel like that's what's happening to me now yes I'm like oh I and you know what you should morning. do yeah embrace it 100% right everybody agrees different but just like don't fight it just like, right. just just you know just embrace it because right. everybody you know loses a parent but you know there's no wrong way there's no right way I mean even Rick and I as close as brothers we we grieve differently right, totally right. Different. we talked about that I, yeah. Had yeah. A, I had to see a therapist for quite a while and because right. uh, I was just couldn't say my dad's name without crying yeah and so uh, the best thing she taught me was basically instead of viewing all this with sadness think about your dad with happiness and the good things that all things you love about Absolutely, yeah. it. Instead of viewing it as this great tragedy, view it, you know, be thankful that it happened and be thankful right. that you had this life with him and, and project all the positive thoughts in him. So that's kind of what I do. And there's still times when I cry occasionally, mm-hmm. something like I'll see a happy Father's Day card or, a, yeah. you know, something, or you just in the car and you just think about it and you start crying and I'll call Anna on the phone and I'm crying. And, but most of the time, what I learned from her was just to project those good thoughts onto him that rather right. than just yeah. constantly be grieving that he's gone and how horrible, you know? Right. So she really taught me a lot, but I needed to go to therapy because I wasn't really able to function when he was gone. I was having a hard time just sort of getting through my day at work right. and not crying. I was crying all the time. And so, cause I think I was projecting so much sadness into it. And so to you agree, you just had to agree. But being with a therapist who didn't know my dad, never yeah. heard of him, yeah. didn't know about the Friels, and she was from England, you know, <laughs> no idea who we were. So it was really great to kind of go, but I was thinking, like, what do you mean you don't know who I am or my yeah. dad? Is there? You know? But then she was really helpful and she taught me that, and, you know, I kind of was able to heal and move on. When you're also dealing with, um, like, there's just, you're just dealing with emotions that you're, that you're so yeah. unfamiliar with. I mean, for me, again, you know, being a Virgo, I'm kind of a routine person mm-hmm. and yeah. everything's kind of moves along and stuff. And then you just put in this just fucking tornado into your right. life. Right. Yes. So, oh, I can't imagine for you. So like, like, like what? You know, <laughs> just needs order. No, that's a good <laughs> so out of This order. is out of yeah, order. Out of so order. Out of order. Out of order. And so, I've seen you when your dogs have passed. So yeah. I'm like, I can't oh, imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it just sort of like, you know, I think that I just kind of felt like I was in a fog and, uh, you know, but again, it's just like, you just have to, and it's sort of what Rick's saying too, is you just sort of have to allow it. Yes. You know, if you're just sort of like trying to hold it back mm-hmm. and just sort of like, it's not yeah. so much denial, but it's more just like, I can't even take this on. Right. You know, well, you know what? if I just push this down here and yeah. I just get to this. You know, if you just let it all in and just let it out, and I'm with Rick too. I mean, there just there'll be times when like just the weirdest thing. Well, you'll just suddenly you. cry. Right. You know? Yes. I'm not really yes. Cry. I'm not yes, a cryer, sir. But, you I'm know, with you. But when it happens, yeah. I let it out. And I yeah. Cry. I yes. don't, I don't yeah. fight any. Yeah. Time. I do too. So I, I used to cry at work a lot in front of yeah. my bosses, my coworkers, and you know what they were. They knew what I was going through, so it's okay. Yeah. Or you have weird. Like, yeah. for me, like, just like you would have kind of weird anger things that were Yeah. Before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're sure like, what is this about? And you're sure like, oh, yeah, <laughs> my dad died. Yeah, hi. Hi. Yeah. The small thing. You know, you know what's interesting is that I, I, I absolutely understand that. And it's weird going to work or new jobs and being sort of like, no, you know, you don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I just got to yeah. add one other piece. But I remember yeah. there was something, I was had done some painting at a house, and I remember I just 
kind of fucked up a couple of things. And I remember getting this text from my boss that said, you know, like, he said, you did this, and he, he wrote back, he, he, I, we were going back, and he said things saying, what's going on with you lately? And I'm kind of like, it was so enormous, the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really funny coming yeah. from him, because we're actually pretty close. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. he, and he had lost his dad sort of recently, too. And I, and I was just, it took all my strength not to write back saying, yeah. hey, asshole, you know exactly what's <laughs> yeah. going on. Yeah. And let's, you know, let's just say, let's say I missed this you know, little tiny thing I did. Yeah. It's pretty small from what I'm... My dad's I'm keeping, dead, keeping fucker. My, I'm keeping my shit <laughs> together. But, that's but so I remember hard. that just like, I was like, just yeah. trembling. You know, but like, how hard you know, is it to go yeah. like, have a parent die and then go back to like your job? Like yeah. I was working at Target, you know, like to corporate, right? And like in a whole other city away from where my mom died, I went back and yeah. it was like three weeks later, like back in the corporate office... Just like I'm fat. Sometimes, sometimes it's a relief, though. Sometimes it's so horrible that you want something normal that you can project yourself. Well, against. what was hard for me was that yeah, like there's, some, there's some of there's that. Kind of something sweet, about like your, your, your job is that yeah. you know what you're doing. There's something kind of sweet about rather than just sitting structure. around waiting. To, totally. So what do I do now? So sometimes you project. You throw I yourself back into work. I just felt weird because I was in Minneapolis. When, you know, not my home, mm-hmm. um, which I love. Great cocoon place for us. But I went back to a desk where mom would call me every day. Yeah, like the phone's that. sitting right there. Yeah. And then it would be like, I'm working on these digital projects. I'm like, who fucking cares? Yeah. You know, like you're taking so long. This is stupid. Nobody's curing cancer. But I'm professional. I never said any of that. You know, like I would go to these meetings, but I also was like physically having panic and dizzy and weird. And I finally, they were they were extremely wonderful to me. I went to my boss and I was like, I'm going to take short-term disability. i got to get out of here. She's yeah. like, do it. Like, it's fine. I'm like, I'm taking eight weeks. I'm out of here. I'll be back. I'll be on this. She's like, perfectly fine. She goes, I don't even understand how you're here in the first place. And I was See, like, thank you. situation <laughs> where the owner of my company is a guy I've known for a long time, Mike McConnell. And oh, yeah, yeah. We were friends before Cafe Vita existed. So he's just like, as much time as you want. Right, yeah. This other guy, Tom Buckley, who's worked there. I knew him for the auctions. And he was, a, you know, kind of the co-owner at the time. And you know, he'd hug me and whatever you need. And so yeah. my work basically was just anything. They're great to you. They've always been They've great always to been you. Great. I've been there 13 years. Cafe Vita. I love my work. <laughs> but, you know, they were. I was lucky in that sense. But I said sometimes you want to go back to work and just throw yes, yourself yes. into something normal and just yeah. like, I need a routine. Of, you know, get, where do I need to go today with this coffee? Let me tell you, yeah. what, you know, give me something to yeah. do. Just take my yeah, mind I, 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 I mean, for me, like, I needed it. I needed the routine. I, and I also remember, like, that was around the time when I, yeah. I just had started playing with Sweetwater. And we had a show. And it was like, they are like, hey, you know, we can cancel the show. You know, it was like in bailing hours. It's oh, no big deal. Sounds... And I said, <laughs> I said, no, I, you know, I want to play this. And it was actually the very first show I ever played with them. Wow. And Really? Yeah. Wow. And I remember, like, one, I mean, those guys are hilarious. Yeah, so it was like, great to really be around nice. those guys. Yeah. But it was also just great to play because our dad was such a supporter of our music. Like, I remember playing that show and thinking about him going, well, he'd be, he would this is what he would want me oh, to do. Yeah, you know, he yeah. wouldn't want us to be, like, sitting yeah. on our hands and crying. My mom yeah. would be so fucking proud of this podcast. She'd be like, oh, my, you know, like, something yeah. she would never do. Absolutely. Like, I know every moment she'd be like, I'm so proud of you. Like, yeah. you know, you got your ass back to Seattle. But, like, I keep coming back to the same thing. I mean, I think it's just, it's a part of life and everybody handles it differently. There's no wrong, There's no wrong way. way to agree. You know, there's some yeah. people that grieve for years and years and years and 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 you know they just get totally depressed and then they pull themselves out yeah. some people are quick yeah. some people you know bury it under the sand they deal with it years and years later some people yeah. 
you know, turn to chemicals and all those kind of things, which is not the right thing to do. But, you know, I think sometimes the way we are as humans is like you feel like you just got to fix it quickly and get on board. Right. It's just not the way. It's not the way it works. That's not the way it really works. I mean, maybe for some people. Right. But I know for myself, that's not. Any kind of numbing of it's only going to prolong it. I yeah. Think that's unfortunate. But the thing I think about grief is that at some point I had said this to Marty earlier. I'm like, this is so long. This is taking, I'm so tired of crying. Yeah. Like I'm so tired of crying and this is, and to this day I'm like, I have a burden. I don't, yeah. and I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm like, I do yeah. have a bit of a burden. Yes. I was more nice to by Anna. Anna was just, you know, seeing me on the floor of our bedroom just crying or just so <laughs> yeah. sad. And she's like, you need to talk to somebody. Yeah. Because you can't just talk to me about yeah. it. And you need to find somebody. And so luckily I need somebody who knew a therapist. Which is a good great. thing. It's yeah. A, I have that, yeah. So she kind of gave me that was good of her because she knows you well enough to know that 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 was the right thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) I'm gonna get her on this podcast. Don't you worry. I wish you luck. I know. I'm coming to your house and she's gonna bake a pie. That's all. Right. We're gonna get pie out of this. Don't worry. That's all. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I'm going to end this little good. thing. This is, okay, this is why I'm back. This is why I'm happy about every decision I've made in my life. This is exactly what I've always wanted in my life. I love you both so much. I love you too. Um, I, I'm happy to be here, and, and this art form is what excites me. And so I thank you for being a part of the first one. Um, thank you, Fro Brothers. Yeah, well, I want to say I love you as a friend, but I also love playing music with you, and I hope we can do more of that soon. Oh, I'm calling your ass. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I have I a love, project, Chris Brill. What I love about you is that since I've known you, you've always been on a quest. Like, you're always yeah. trying to make yourself better, and either through religion and books, and then you have stuff, and then you get rid of it and throw it away, and then you yeah. change your hair color, or you change your look, <laughs> you change your... I love that. I admire that about you, that you're Thank always you. on a quest. Thanks. You know, I think that's beautiful. I think it's great that you are who you are. Well, my mom said, through a psychic, yes, I said that. She said, Carrie, live life. So I'm going to quest for that. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. All right. And thank you for sitting here for a long time. Very long time. I'm very talkative, so it's the quiet guy. And we're almost done with our bottle of wine. And another thing. Just a sip left. We're going to wish all your listeners well and just... I'll toast my ginger that's my message. So. It's very nice. Get out Boom. and live the life that you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was only four hours, right?